Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is the grumpy old man. They say there is no shame in his game because he is always the same. What? What's my introduction? The grumpy old man. What am I? Oh, NHL analyst and expert. Grump, you know, get it. Get over, Grump. Hey. There's bigger fish. There's a bigger fish to fry, Grump. No, you make sure you get my intro right. Uh, it's the only job you have to do on this podcast. The rest of the time, you're just taking off. You're pretending like you can read most of the time. Well, I don't even. I try it, but it doesn't usually work well. And today, we also are joined by Coach Tommy Baffy's buddies. Coach Tommy Baffy of Coach the Coach Coach Baffy's Corner. Thank you Look at this much. guy. Look at his comes. He comes in here and he's not even two seconds on the show. He's trying to promote shit. <laughs> I don't know how come. Why is our podcast not posted on your uh, Isles Drive for Five thing? Everyone, um, why not? Can I not tell you, TJ, to be posting it back up there, my friend? Yeah, yeah. Grumpy old man. Everyone, calls. everyone. I told him to post them back up. I so thought. What's the problem? Like, was it like two weeks ago? Oh, I told you, please post them back up. I thought. I thought. Don't Grump, think. Just do it. You were well, Grump. Stop. I thought you were going to try to tear into me because Coach Tommy Baffy has got merchandise before we've got merchandise up on the um, <laughs> on the site is what I thought you were about. I didn't want to see your merchandise. I'm looking forward to it. I'll probably buy buy a shirt. Ah, I, I'm the one who's taking so long on it, but we're, we're getting the we're getting the process started. We're getting the process started and going. That's for certain. Grump, Everything's done. Everything is done. Ah, Grump, you know what? How are you feeling today, Grumpy? How are you feeling, man? Great. Because you know what? I just want to show you something right here. I'm blue check grumpy. That what that means is anytime you want to go uh, to find out what's actually happening with the Islanders and what's going to happen, just come listen to me because everything comes true. Everything. Mm. Grump, how about you do something? Do me a favor and scoot that microphone a little closer to your face. That's what I want you to do. How's that? Better? <laughs> <laughs> oh man maybe if you you know hey i got on early today you think you know dave sent us the uh the nice things to hook up for me and we still haven't taken care of that it's not important 
It's just easy for you to criticize. Your microphone's not this. You're not doing that. You're not doing this. Uh, I've uh, cleared time on my schedule so we can do that thing, and you don't help. I'm sorry. You sound like you're stammering about, but let's change this to hockey, right, Crump? Because that's what we're here for, to talk Islanders hockey. And before we get too much into the crux of the matter, because there's a lot that's happened since our last podcast on Saturday, believe it or not, a lot has happened. And Islanders country. Um, remember, this is a bi-weekly podcast or a twice-a-week podcast that happens every single Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and every single Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And to make sure you don't miss out on any of the action, you can subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, and follow on Twitter. You can also check out TJ and the Grumpy Old Man, the general sports podcast where we just talk sports and shoot the shit. That is on every Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and every single Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern standard time that is in the link in the description below i want to start this off well one one thing one what, one thing what, real, oh, real quick Jesus. real quick real oh. quick you know i'm always a glasses half full type guy and i always try to look at the silver lining for anything that happens and you know we had the pandemic and covid and i'm like what could possibly come out of having covid attack the world in the last couple of years we found it last night. It put Josh Bailey's ass on the bench. Thank you, COVID. No, I want him to know something right now. Upon you know, in the group, and I made a big announcement. I was coming on with you guys, looking forward to tonight. And a couple of the members had actually asked me to wear my Josh Bailey uh, hockey fights cancer jersey tonight. Now I'm not wearing that. I felt I should wear the Coach Bappy's corner, but I also want you to know that my my jersey also has COVID just like Bailey does. So it's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think it. Uh, Josh has not been playing well so far this season. You don't wish COVID. I, I know grumpy old man is just hamming up his character and playing his character as he is, what? as you know, he would, he would be selling few, he'd be selling tickets if he died, you know, per you know, this is a callback to last or prior episodes. That being said, you know, Josh Bailey being out certainly doesn't help the team. And you'll also lose Ryan Pulak for four to six weeks. And we are going to see Robin Sallow, uh, in part of the Islanders organization. We're going to see him up there with the New York Islanders uh, for the first home game. I don't, I'm not sure if he's going to dress, but we'll see him, I'm sure, on Saturday on the roster of Healthy Scratch. But in some capacity, we'll see uh, Robin Sallow. Well, for me, uh, honestly, yeah, all right. We're not rooting for anybody to get injured. But it's going to force Barry Trotz's hand. He's going to have to play the younger players now. So you know what? They're going to have to play for 10, 15 games, whatever it is. I thought Sebastian Ajo would play much better yesterday than he did the day before. The same with Kiefer Bellows. Give the guys a chance. Let them play 10, 15, 20 games. This way you know what you have in them. I mean, I always felt that they've kind of stunted their odds. They have a sense of entitlement. Trotz even said that himself in regards to the power play, where everyone just feels that they're entitled to be on the power play. And it's something I've been pushing that narrative for quite a while, and Barry finally admitted it. Thank you very much. Blue check mark. Do you know, do you know how to, Grump, do you know how to not, like, splurge on a four different stories in one little one little, nope. one little statement? Nope. <laughs> I want to hit everybody with the facts right at the top. He's got Bang, the bang boom. Yeah, he's got the little block points there. I don't need one block point, too. I don't need to do four hours of a podcast to get my points across. I hit them right away. Gotcha. I don't need to use big words like you do, TJ, to try to prove that you're intelligent. 
Yeah, well, Grump, I just want you to keep moving that damn microphone closer to your face, Grumpy. That being said, I want no problem. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Grump. You could just hold it in your hand. How's that? Is that good? Uh -oh. Can you hear good like that? Is that cool now? Yeah, I was about to say, I know I, I know visually, I'm sure that's going to be very uh, aesthetically pleasing there for the individuals watching. But um, this is this is these are trying times, I think, uh, for the Islanders. Right. These are four, you know, really, really tough losses. Uh, Coach Tommy B. And, you know, they, a stint at UBS Arena couldn't come soon enough. A hundred percent agreed with that. And we talk about the road trip first off. And I, and I love that. I can I can't even see his face. Looks like a big white hole. That makes you know? everybody happy, I think. <laughs> um, when you when you talk about this road trip, as we get back home and you, you're going to beg for home cooking and all those things, oh, we're going to be better at home. You know, there there are obvious deficiencies to be watched on this road trip, even in some of the victories. Okay, and as we get back home when you, and you look at the problems on the road, we just did an oddity, a 13 game road trip that was even kind of weird on how they did the road trip. All over the place has never been done before. All right. So they were in a strange place. Uh, is it an excuse? No, I, I had always told you guys that 500 would be acceptable, but I, I thought they would play like a game above or two games above. It sure as heck looked that way when they were up two to one against Minnesota, five, two and two. And then Valamov likes to hand the puck away. And the next thing you know, it's two, two, then it's three, two. And he gives up a crap goal and you, you lose the game. And I actually thought he played well in the game in that game, by the way, despite those two mistakes. Um, they have to get back to being themselves. They cannot play outside themselves. Uh, I saw the worst defensive performance in this team's era under Trotz and Lou in the last four games. Um, can you blame it on one person? No, I blame it on the team in general. I blame it as a team effort. Were they out of their realm doing these 13 games in a row? That's possible because, as I said, when you, when you put stuff before even athletes that they've never seen before, Sometimes their reactions are not good. They're not. And I think we just saw that in the last four games. And be that as it may, the Pulak injury could be a blessing in disguise for this team. From And he's my favorite player. Getting Sallow in this lineup, um, and I know he'll have growing pains, could keep Sallow here permanently like a guy by the name of Taze. And it could prove to be a bigger thing for this team down the stretch run. So I know you talked about We've never seen anything like this before, and we're not sure how athletes necessarily react. Is that just because of the long road trip? Is that what, you, what you're thinking there, Coach Tommy B? Creatures of habit. Most athletes are creatures of habit. Yeah. They're used to certain things. They're in their comfort zone when they're used to certain things. And when you throw things at them that they're not used to, most of them crumble. I'd like to think that the professional athletes could handle a little diversity. They should be able to to keep going. I mean, that's what you that's what you play at the top level for. That's that's what you get paid the big bucks for. Is because when you do face that adversity, especially a team have been in the Eastern Conference Finals in back to back years, I want them. You know, I I want them to see a little bit. I'm not too sure. I like I I see the narrative of the 13 game road trip. Right, it was being propagated all night all night last night. And again, this was that was only you could find on ESPN Plus and Hulu. Um, and that's all we heard about. Oh, well, the reason they're so flat is because of this. I, I'm i not so sure it's as cut and dry because this is not like your typical 13-game road trip. Maybe it is because they've been away from home for so long, and I've forgotten that the record at home last year was at 21-3-4. and four. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to have – I think it would be tough to duplicate that or expect to duplicate that. That being said, I, I, 
I just think it's it's a little disingenuous to say, hey, this is just a 13-game road trip. We've never seen it like that. They were going home. I mean, like, think about how many breaks they had in between. They're sleeping in their own beds. They play two or three games. All right, I'll be home for three or four days, and we fly back out. I, I'm not so sure I buy that everything is on the road trip, per se. I think there's a little bit of a deeper-seated issue. I would only let them go home once. If I was running the team, I would let them have one trip home, and that's it. I don't want them adding flights on and adding mileage on and all that garbage. Let them stay in the in the city sometimes and bond and be out there together. I didn't want them going home. Mm. Yeah, I mean it does. It does. I mean this team is pretty. It's just this team. It's one of the benefits of having one of those veteran teams, though. I mean, like you don't need the bonding trips, for, like for young teams, right? It's like cool. Hey, we're, you know, like colleges, everything like that. You know, you get to get to know your get to know your teammate a lot better. So you know, you got that better connection. I mean, these are all vets that are pretty much the same team. They all know each other well. I don't. I I want to backtrack this a little bit and talk about. And now this, I'm sure Grumpy will have a lot to say about. But I want to talk about. The Islanders and Barry Trotz determining to sit Noah Dobson in the, in the Tampa Bay game and Oliver Wallstrom playing, what was it, six, seven minutes out there on the ice because he had forgotten some of the smaller details. I wanted to get I wanted to get number one grump. I know you you'll, I want to get your reaction on that and then Coach Tommy B as well. Um, first of all, it's not diversity. It's adversity. Um, you bungled that twice. When you said the team should learn that, I just want you to know that you screwed that up just to let you know. Um, isn't that Barry Trotz's MO? Bench the young guys because the old guys never make mistakes. It's not the young guys who are playing like garbage right now. It's all the veterans with the, the exception of one or two. Uh, they all playing like, you know what? We've been there two years in a row. We can just throw pucks on the ice and we're ready to go. We're not talented enough to not be able to play hard, right? What's What was the thing that Herb Brooks said years ago, right? You're not talented enough. We're not, uh, we can't, we're not talented enough to win on talent alone. That's right, and we're certainly not. And here's the thing. You could say whatever you want about those road trips. We got our asses kicked. For the majority of those 13 games, we played maybe two games well. That's about it. We didn't deserve any to win any more than two games, honestly. We had some puck luck early. I mentioned it last week. What happens when we don't get puck luck? You saw it the last two games. We get rolled. And we got, believe me, we got rolled by Tampa and by uh, by Florida. Just rolled. And what did I say at the beginning of the year? Teams that can skate, teams that can forecheck, uh, those are the teams that are going to give us trouble. Wait till we play the Rangers next week. I'm petrified playing the Rangers next week. I could see us getting absolutely blown out by the Rangers next week. Blown out. I wonder how many Ranger fans are going to be at uh, UB, USB Arena. UBS. UBS. Whatever it is. The new place. How Maybe. many, many going to be there? The Islander Stadium. I'm just going to call Islander City Central. UBS. How many Ranger fans are going to be there for that game? You know the Islander fans are selling those tickets to Ranger fans to watch that game. You know they are. Some are, yeah. Some will. I, I do think – Next Wednesday, if you want to get into that a little bit, I actually think it'll be the most difference of Islander Ranger fans that you've ever seen. Because I do think a fair amount, because it's the first game ever there between the two teams, a lot of the Islander fans are going to want to be there for it, and it's Thanksgiving Eve. So I, I do think that you're going to see more of a 65-35 type thing in that game. Then you're going to go back to seeing that 50-50, 60-40, or 55-45 split on most Islander Ranger games. But I think it's actually going to be pretty much Islander fans on Wednesday night for the first one. 
Um, you have a right to worry about the game. I mean, the, Ra- the Rangers aren't blowing teams out, but they're playing good hockey. Their goalie's playing well. Um, the Islanders haven't had a goaltending problem. It sure as hell not the goaltending. And when I see stupid posts about the Islanders' goaltending, no. Last night, you watched Sorokin left for dead. He was left for dead last night in that first period. And barring the one goal that hit him in the fucking face, you know, and it went in, that's a fluke goal. You give that. Those other three goals, he was completely left to dry. And you know why? I'm watching five players look like I was watching a five-year-old soccer game where you see everybody running to the ball, in this case, everybody running to the puck, skating to the puck, instead of playing their positions, um, cutting down cutting down passing lanes. By the way, hitting people. Actually hit somebody. Hit somebody. When they have the puck, stop with the poking of the stick. Hit the guy. Knock the guy off the puck. He doesn't. If you guys don't like to get hit, Brian Traccio, we said this best, no one likes to get hit. No one. And he would always say, my my number one job as a player was hit the player, take the puck. Not poke, you know, not not dance around. Hit the player, take the puck. Th- these guys got to start getting back to that mode. And I don't I don't think we played that bad in Tampa. Probably. I thought we played a decent game. I thought we showed fight in Tampa. They, they, they were the better team. But I thought we, we hung with them a good portion of the game. Last night's first period was the worst period I've seen them play. Under this regime, we were brutal in the third period against Tampa. Brutal, brutal, totally dominated. And yesterday against Florida, it was it reminded me of 1972. Honestly, that's how bad it was. Uh, it was the worst period. Uh, I agree with you. It was maybe the worst period I've seen in I want to say at least 10 years. It's it was it was brutal. brutal. And you know, okay. Florida mailed it in after the rest, but it seemed like any time they wanted to, they just walked in the zone and dominated possession uh, until who was the guy they, we had the five minute major on Mayfield and they called kind of a phantom penalty on Bennett. Yeah. Uh, that kind of, I think Florida just said, okay, we'll just take it easy from here. And it seemed to uplift the Islanders a little bit and the game was more even pace, but was Florida, were they ever at risk? And I, you just listen to the national broadcast. Well, this one hit the post, and this did that. You know what? Stop telling me ifs and buts, because all I know is we got beat six to one. I mean, we didn't deserve to win that game, and you know, you know your team's bad when the national broadcast is trying to give you moral victories in the middle of the second period with their commentary. You know your team sucks. Well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep eyes on the game, Grumpy, right? <laughs> they weren't expecting. The Florida Panthers are a team that's high-flying off the great success so far this season. The Islanders are both back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals on, you know, prime time on, you know, uh, Tuesday uh, Tuesday evening. They weren't expecting it to be, you know, such a lopsided event. Yeah, but it wasn't an ESPN game. It was an ESPN Plus Hulu game. I mean, yeah. what what type of audience are you expecting there? I mean, come on. It's not like it's a national game. What a horrible situation that is, gentlemen, with this ESPN Plus garbage. It, it's terrible. It really – you got to live stream a hockey game. you got, you got to figure out how you can get it off your, off your computer to your TV. This is ridiculous. I want you to know something about last night. When the Allens called the timeout, uh, I turned and looked at Andrew and I said, I wouldn't even talk to these players. I'd line them up on the line right now and do a Herb Brooks for the next minute and make them do suicides right on the ice in front of the fans. That's what I would have done to them. So it's funny you mentioned about the um, – well, 
Herb Brooks, my gosh. Oh, God, that'd be embarrassing. But hey, maybe it's something Barry would never do. But I, I would love to see something outlandish like that happen uh, with poor play. That being said, I've, I, I, all I do is stream games, Coach Tommy B. So that's all. I, that's how I watch my games for like the last three years. I don't watch on TV. I watch on a phone. Or He's a kid. He's a kid. I, I mean, how the hell can you watch a hockey game on a phone? Can't see anything. I watch preseason games on this for the first time in my life. See yeah. what I tell you? How can you do that? Oh man! I need the big screen. Definitely. So, so, can you even see the puck when it's on a phone, DJ? Yes, I can, Grumpy. I pay close attention. I'm very attentive, Grump. That being said, so we're thinking that this Ryan Pulak injury might be some sort of blessing in disguise because now we're going to get to see Robin Sallow, who's played extremely well in Bridgeport. We get to see him getting his chance. We get to see a guy like Sebastian Ajo continuing to get more responsibilities. And I and, and the same thing with Noah Dobson, right? He's He's been off to a little bit of a, a hot and cold start. That being said, younger players have those moments. you got to let and work through it, I think. Well, that's what he should be doing. What have I been preaching for the last two years? Let the young guys, let them play. Let them. You're going to have to go through the growing pains sometime or another. You're just putting it off and uh, putting it off and putting it off if you don't let them go through it right away. That's how you learn is by making those mistakes. You not by sheltering their minutes year after year after year. That's not how it works. And here's the thing: that is a good thing. Like I said, Trotz is now going to be forced, absolutely forced, to play the younger players. I thought the younger players looked the best out of anyone last night. Oh, that's fair. I think, look, if you want, Kiefer Bellows had two solid games. He played He played two solid games. He did get an assist on the, on the Palmieri goal last night. Hopefully that goal uh, lifts Palmieri up. I'm kind of happy with some of the things I saw out of Palmieri the last couple of games. Um, I thought I said I thought Aho was awful against Tampa. I thought he played okay last night. I thought Dobson played a much better game last night after the first period. Um, I thought Dobson's been pretty bad though, to be honest with you, since the start of the season. Um, I thought he has had he's really been inconsistent on and off. And again, I know that you picked on the young guy. He's not the only guy playing bad. There were definitely definitely reasons to bench Chara in the very beginning, 100%. I think Chara's played better of late. But he was horrible in the first six, seven games. Absolutely terrible. You want to know why he's playing? He looks like he's playing better because he's not moving at all now. He's just standing and he's just standing in a spot and they're just walking around him. He's not even trying to move anymore. And the only reason he's looked better is because he's been the same player, but everyone else has been looking terrible. For me, if you look at Noah Dobson, when you when he has an actual chance to rush the puck, four three strides, he's in the opposition zone. But then right away, man, he's pulling back. Why? Because that's a system. That's a system issue. I mean, I, I, it's just it's just frustrating to watch because the kid's got so much talent, and it's like Barry just won't take off the training wheels. Just take it off. And for people thinking that Robin Sal is going to come in here and be the second coming of Nick Lidstrom, it's not going to happen, okay? Uh, I want him to play. I want Sal to play. I want Dobson to play. I'd much rather, I'd much rather go through the – growing pains of a younger player as opposed to watch Chara out there every night or Andy Green. Give them rest. So come play – well, come uh, whatever time. Who knows if we're making the playoffs. We're dead last. Um, but, you know, if we make the playoffs, those guys will be more fresh. 
let let me let me I guess be the voice on the other side, Grump. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna. That's have what you got Tommy Baffy for. He's one of those bootlicking weasels, one of your little pals. Not even close. Let no. me tell you something. One quick thing. I want to give a shout out to Isles Misery Rated R because they're supportive of uh, the grumpy old man in particular, and even TJ. I said they need some love. We never see any of those guys on the show. Only TJ's buddies. That's oh. what I'm saying. All TJ's little pals, his little pals, his little buddies. They're so, always invited on all the time. I think I'm like 20 years older than TJ. How can I be his little buddy? <laughs> I don't know. He's a weird kid. What can I tell you? <laughs> so, so I want to I want to kind of to steer this back in the what do things look like going forward? Because right, we talked about it. All of us, we had talked about what we were looking at during this 13 game road trip. Something, you know, even splitting it, maybe coming out with you know more wins and losses by, you know, one more win than a loss would be ideal. Um, you know, road trip didn't go the way we originally had wanted or planned. Um, now let me ask you that Jesus Grumpy. You got the you got the you got the dingaling there, you got the the old Lou Lamarillo landline. Um, but this is this is one of these items to where I wonder how things are going to be here going forward at UBS. I'm not sure I buy too much of Barry's. Well, we've never played in this arena. We don't know the atmosphere. We might not have the same mojo there. I'm not sure I'm buying that. I think that's just all coach speak. I know Grump has said that, and I heard Barry say that. I'm like, what the hell? Are they? Both of these people are out of their damn mind. Grumpy and Barry Trotz both, right? A home is a home is a home. And trust me, UBS is going to be fine. When you say it's fair to say that the Islanders don't know the bounces in uh, in the new stadium, would you say that's a fair assumption? Sure. Okay. Yeah, so I where's the home ice advantage? Here it is. Yes, okay. the fans, the fans is one thing, but you one don't know thing. the nuances of how the puck's going to bounce. Just one other thing. The other home part of your home ice advantage is last change. That does that does matter. Being able to match up the way you want to match up. Um, does make a difference in, in the sports. That's why the home teams win more than the road teams because you can match up everybody you want to match up by having the last change. Have you noticed how bad our players are this year? They're playing very badly. I'm not going to argue that. I fact. don't care who we're putting out there. Unless it's Matt Barzell, well, it does. It does. Wait it does. Next shift. It doesn't take long to learn the bounces of the boards, Grump, especially when you're oh, playing there. We have an extended time period. We're going to be playing all home games. I'd like to think that we can familiarize ourselves with the way the puck bounces on the boards, huh? Well, the way the other teams pass around us, they don't even hit the boards. So it might take a little bit longer than that. Oh, stop. I'm telling I mean, you. Florida just walked around us like I, – I, I'm sure we looked like a bunch of traffic cones out there yesterday. I had never seen us look so bad on defense. It was like, oh, my God. If I didn't have to watch that po- that uh, that whole game uh, because we had the podcast today, I wouldn't have. It was that bad. I don't blame fans for tuning out of that game early. That's for certain. And now, Coach Tommy B, you were talking about something a little earlier on before the show that you think, you know, breaking up originally Pelic and Pulak was a huge mistake by Barry Trotz. And I wanted you to speak a little more to that. All right. I 100% believe that might have been one of the worst decisions of the Trotz era. Okay. First off, you you have a major advantage with having Pelic and Pulak together as very arguably the best defensive pairing in the NHL, which is a major strength of the team. You, you're you matching them up against the other team's top players, okay? You're matching up against their top line. So we have we were showing an obvious deficiency on the bottom two pairings, though, you know, those bottom two pairings was just learning to play together. You got to give them a little bit of time. Give them a little bit of time to gel. And if not, then make a different type of move. 
you call up Salo or put Aho in as a replacement. You don't ever, ever, ever break up your top line guys. You just don't when they're effective. Pelican Pulak are so good together. And by the way, I even believe in some in some ways it hurt. I thought Pelic still played well. I thought it hurt Pulak's play. I thought he was overcompensating. And I can even blame him getting hurt on overcompensating. Okay. You don't break up your top pairing in, uh, of defense. You need to stop the top line. That's first and foremost the most important thing we do on this team. So you better find another way to fix that problem because you created a whole bunch of problems uh, by by breaking them up. In my opinion, they made it 10 times worse. Okay. Why did Pulak look bad? Look who he's teamed with. He's teamed with Zidane Chara. He's got to do everything out there when they're out there. Because Chara can't move. That's not that's not his strength of his game. But Barry, that's always been Barry Trotz's MO. When something's not working, uh, you just take something that is working, break it up, so that doesn't work anymore, and it never fixes the part two. I mean, that's just the way he's always been. I just I just let's look at let's look at earlier. Wait, where on. was that comment? Hold on, you, you, let's look you at put, you put a comment up there that was like for a nanosecond, and it said <laughs> something that I was right, and that thing wasn't even up there a tenth of a second. It's like you just did an automatic roll through. I want to see what's one of the people who listens to podcast, what their opinion is of what I've been saying all along. That comment has been lost. We cannot yeah, hear that comment. Shock. Okay, here, here it is, Grump. I want to I want to take the clock back to what we did earlier on this season. The first line was fantastic right you talk about we talked about it last year we talked about it in the postseason we talked about it in the offseason and we talked about it in the preseason Kyle Palmieri and Matt Barzal had had played really well they gelled together and you talk about the production on the ice I don't again like you know production is important but in a small limited sample size I care what I see I care more about the eye test and more about what the stats say that being said Kyle Palmieri, right? We remove him from the first line about three games into the season, and you know you, you put Bailey out there on the on the top line, and you know Bailey catches COVID, so he's out. But how could you tell? Look, What's the difference? How could you tell? You look at the lineups out there, and Zach Parise is skating on the first line. He's taking shifts. Thirty-seven-year-old Zach Parise is taking shifts as number one, playing his off wing as a right winger on the first line. And I'm just flabbergasted by the personnel change on that. Again, I don't I don't nitpick a lot of what Barry Trotz does. I don't like sometimes how he comes out and he publicly will uh, speak about younger players and give veterans every single bit of mile they could run with. And I do not like sometimes personnel changes. Zach Parise was elevated to the first line. And Bailey, again, that was when uh, Casey was out. But Zach Parise is playing minutes up there on the first line. Well, he's like Leo Komarov, right? Mm. He had two assists against a bad Montreal team. Uh, looks like he's hustling. That gets you elevated two lines. Josh Bailey, the line killer, like I said, kill more lines than Tony Montana and Scarface. Uh, you know, somehow his absolutely deplorable play gets him promoted to the first line. Here we go. Oh, what? Hold on. Again. Grump. You're doing a podcast. You're not worrying about reading stuff. Oh, I need you to read those comments. <laughs> you don't read that comment. Grump, you know what, Grump? You're going to make me almost not want to do not comments, Grump, because I can't have you reading comments. We're we're talking. I will handle the comments, Grump. It doesn't look like you're handling them very well. Dude, you're all over the place today. Did you take some special meds today before the podcast? 
Or is it no. the Islanders? Guess, is the guess, Islanders? Is the Islanders' struggles? Is that empowering you? Is that what it is? And I've just been seeing a diluted version of the grumpy old man with just, all the recent just, success just, of the Islanders. I just hate being right all the time. It just, you know, I mean, tell me I didn't call this. Tell me I didn't call this in preseason. I okay, said, man, you so. see what you're doing right now? I asked a question. We're talking about Zach Parise on the first line. I want to. I already answered that, that question. Now we're just going to grumpy old man. Oh boy, a oh man, oh man. I hate to be right, Grump. I want to. Well, here's the thing, right? Comment. You you have a comment up there. Someone commenting on how I was right all along, and you just want to ignore that because you're pushing your narrative. You're like fake news over there, Grump. Have I read any of the comments? Not enemy of the people. You're one of the cartel. I want to hear. I want to hear from our guests too. What Coach Tommy B thinks about Zach Parise being elevated to the first line, and what we think is going to be the remedy. Are we going to see Oliver Wallstrom continue to struggle with the smaller details, so he's going to play limited minutes? I, I'm very interested to see what your take is too, Coach Tommy B. I, I never mind when you do something with a player for a game or for a couple of periods, and if you're trying to shake something up to try and get something going, that part doesn't bother me. You know, you want to move Josh Bailey to the first line for a game just to try and mix up some some chemistry, but don't leave him up there. And it's the same thing here with Parisi. I think Parisi is crazy that he hasn't scored a goal in 12 games because he's really played hard and he's had chances. So it's it, it's mind-boggling to me he hasn't scored. I, th I don't think he's played badly, but he, we, we all know he's not a first-line player anymore. All three of us know that. Yeah. He doesn't belong up there for more than a short stint. He doesn't. You're trying to, to rally a game. I get it. Juggle the lines, trying trying to confuse the other coach about what he's matching up against. You know, those type of things I get. He doesn't belong up there. And I do think Parisi, as I said, can be an effective guy and a helpful guy with this team. And I, and I actually think he's played pretty well. One of the few guys I can actually say that I think he's played consistently well. But he doesn't belong on the first line. He doesn't belong up there. And, and we all – Understood about Kamarov. I always understood why they did what they did with Kamarov, but it made no sense. Well, let me ask you this. Now, going forward, right, you've got Josh Bailey who's going to be out for – I don't know how long it will take or what the COVID protocol is. Just one game, you think? He'll be out a week. So he could actually be back – if everything went perfect, he could be back for the Ranger game, but more likely the Pittsburgh game. Okay, so he's going to miss definitely these next two games. And again, we talked about it, right? I think this is a good chance for Bellos possibly to continue to build off of what we've seen out there on the ice. Who is going to be on that first line for the next two games? Are we going to see Oliver Wallstrom, a very, very gifted goal scorer who is seems to be, don't ask me how, seems to be the only forward in the doghouse at the moment because he's forgotten some of the smaller details. Are we going to see, do you think, grumpy old man, Oliver Wallstrom get any ice time out there on the first line? Nope. 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 He's in the doghouse now. Why? Because he's 21 years old. Does Like I said, Brock Nelson has been an absolute zero this season. Zero. He had one game. One game where he scored four goals. Other than that, he's been invisible. That's your second line guy. Right? He's been terrible this year. Zach Parise, he's been, you know what? Okay. He's been the third liner, skate up and down, hustle. Am I surprised he hasn't scored? Nope, because Zach Parisi really can't play anymore. He's 37, wasn't good enough to play for Minnesota down the stretch. He wasn't getting better with age. He hustles. I give him that. He hasn't embarrassed himself out there. I'll give him that. The guys who've been embarrassing themselves, and Palmieri hasn't either, honestly. He's just, you know, maybe he needs the beard. Three goals in 30 games in the regular season. 
That's worth $5 million a year. Okay. I can think of a lot of other better ways to spend it. I could have, you know, what's the thing that we miss? A true right wing sniper. You know, last night's game, I watched to the bitter end. I listened to Brian Boucher in his post-game analysis. So interesting. You would almost think that he listens to this podcast, honestly. <laughs> Defensive wise, the last two games, they've been brutal. Who, who said that? I don't know. Ooh, anybody with eyes could see that. Okay. Let, I want to hear okay. I'm gonna hear more compelling evidence. Okay, here, okay, here's the thing. They're older than most teams, so they're gonna struggle with speed. And he says, you know what? They have a hole at first line right wing. Who's been saying that for the last three years? Like I said, it's not freaking rocket science. It's not like I have some uh, uh, grand epiphany where, you know, God comes down and pops me right in the head with Islander knowledge. I just watch the games. It's so easy to tell what they need. And if a dope like me can figure it out, why can't Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz? That's what I want to know. Tommy Baffy. You're one of the you're one of the little pals. You live in his book. They they man. know. Don't think they don't know. Why they, didn't why did they make a move in the offseason? Why did they make again, we'll I'll explain it to you? Uh, they know. They know what their deficiencies are. They also are dealing with a salary cap situation that they had to protect for the season. They knew what they did with the cap to keep the band together, okay, and not create other holes because they know next year they're gonna have the cap space. Is they trying to survive it and get to the cap space period? Now, they, if they actually survive and are right there at the playoffs or in the playoffs, and we get to March, they're in the best shape of almost any team in the league because they're going to have 18 million in cap space to make that big move that most teams are not going to be able to do. So, and they can make multiple moves with that type of money. So, you know, they're trying right now. It's survival mode. We're in survival mode. They couldn't actually patch that yet. The only way they could have patched that, and we've talked about Tarasenko over and over and over again, is if they, if they found the perfect freaking deal for Tarasenko and had the money match up. I kept explaining that. The money had to match up. Somebody had to take want to take Josh Bailey. Otherwise, it wasn't going to work. So this is where they are. Now they got to try and survive this. We all see what we see on the defense. Can it be fixed? That That's a great, interesting question. Can it be fixed? Is Rob, Robin Salah was not a savior. I agree with you. He has to learn just like everybody else does when they come up on this level. But there are a couple of things we know that Salah can do. He can skate, he can pass, and he can run a power play. We, we That we've already seen out of him. He has to learn all the other parts of the game. Can he light a fire? Maybe. Can we have Tay's situation all over again where an injury actually worked out for us because it elevated somebody? And as long as we stay in survival mode, then Pulak gets back. We're now a much stronger defensive unit. Yes, but they got to figure out to win some games. We got to figure out a way to, to find a little more chemistry, and it's they they can do that. I know every, the sky is falling to every Islander. I've lived in this organization since I was five year old kid, and since the Cup years when everybody always believed we were going to win, back in those times with those great teams, people were always confident, even when they weren't playing well. Since the nineties, this fan is a the sky is falling the minute we play five bad games or four bad games. They just jump off the cliff. We stink. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> Look, it, it's happened before under this regime where we've not played well for, for a string of games. So can we can we see if Trotz can right the ship? And I, I told you, I criticized him for the Pelak pull-up thing. thought it was a horrible decision. Horrible. I will criticize Trotz when I don't like what he does. So I, 
I want to ask about a few a few points you've made. Now you mentioned about we're in survival mode now, and that I don't think is going away. I don't think we're going to see a lift of like ah. Oh, we're sitting atop the division or we can relax. You know, we can, you know, we're not going to relax, obviously, but really? that's how they look like they've been playing so far. Like they're relaxed, but, but, but seriously, I like it, being in that survival mode mentality from game one until game 82, it's really tough to keep that same mantra. I think, I think Tommy was pointing out survival mode in regards to the salary cap, but who do you have to blame for the salary cap? It's Lou Lamarillo with all the stupid contracts that he handed out over the last few years. Um, you're in cap. You didn't have to sign Anders Lee back to $7 million a year. If he if he was commanding that much money somewhere else, bye-bye. That's what a good GM does. You don't just throw money at a guy just because he's been here. I you know I remember Staples saying, well, you know what? You couldn't afford the PR of losing a captain two years in a row. Yeah, I could have because I want the team to be better in the long run. That's this guy pisses me off. You know why? Everybody does this with the salary cap, and they keep forgetting one of the most important things that happened. The pandemic froze the cap. The cap was supposed to be about $88 million, and the pandemic hit. There's, you know, they, they, they were planning that team when Anders Lee signed for an $88 million cap, not for 81.5. Everybody's in the same boat, though. Everyone's in the same boat. That's true. Everybody's in the same boat. Everyone has the same salary cap issues. There's not just the Islanders. It's everybody. And I just see other teams able to maneuver around it. I just don't know if Lou can. Now, I asked this question, Tommy, maybe you know. Do they have a guy who strictly handles the cap? Yes, they do. Them? They do. He ought to be fired. He should be canned. He should be shit canned for the job he's done. <laughs> I thought. Hold on, you were just praising him, saying he's done an excellent job with the signings of Pelik and Pulak as of recent. The Those re- guys get paid that money because they put up no offense. The more hold I'm thinking on, about it, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How many goals we have from the offense this year? Stop. Thirteen games. Stop. Stop. One goal. One. Can you stop? You want to pay a guy like that eight million dollars a year? You sound you sound like you're trying to starve for enough time to talk. Don't worry, I'll give you your chance to talk, Grump. God, oh freaking mighty! I want to ask you one thing. Just last podcast, two podcasts ago, you were saying he deserves a raise. He deserves praise because of the terrific signings that we've re-signings we had of Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak. I said and those now, were good signings. I said they were good signings. Whoever, they were. whoever handled the cap needs a raise. I think it's verbatim what came out of your mouth. And now all of a sudden we're saying he needs to be canned. Shit canned, I think it's the verbiage you use. Because if he was in charge of those Andrews Lee signings and Brock Nelson and Jordan Eberle, yeah, bye-bye. Leo Komarov, Matt Martin, Casey Zizekas, six years. Six years of Casey Zizekas. He can't even practically even skate anymore. We got another him for another five years. Can you ever, can you giving, ever avoid – Stop you ever giving avoid? guys – in their 30s, long-term deals. Palmieri's another one. One goal in 13 games. Great job. Josh Bailey, one goal. Can you, can you ever avoid – I always ask you, Grump. I said you're like a parrot or you're like a politician where you hit on the same points. Remember I tell you, I'm like, Grump, I don't need you to hit on the same points every single time when we're trying they're to – They're all customer. true. You want to know why we're in the situation we're in? I'm telling you. World War II was bad. I'm giving you a roadmap. I heard I heard. I heard the plague was bad too, Grump. I don't need to keep on repeating it years and years and years down the road. That being said, I want to go back to the actual points Coach Tommy B was making because that's what we do. We address the points and we come up with actual thoughts, Grump. That being said, Coach Tommy B, you said you're worried that we couldn't 
fit with the cap. Now, if if seriously, they didn't want to take Josh Bailey because you said maybe they were interested in, in a Scott Mayfield or a, or a Bull Duke and a second-round pick, some cost-efficient defenseman, we would have to find a way to get rid of cap. Big time. And we already we already did that. We 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 you know with Letty with Lad. I go down the list. They they got rid of these bad contracts. And what did they give up? They gave up draft picks and stuff to move these guys out. Okay, in a lot of those cases. So you gave up your capital pretty much to make those maneuvers. We are where we are, TJ. We are where we are. There is a light at the end of the tunnel with the cap. That is true now. It, it's starting to free up. What would captain's got to raise in a couple of years? What could have stopped them from finding a suitor for Bailey? Bailey's a guy. Bailey's a guy with we don't. He's meh, he's a meh guy. I mean, he's he's not going to have a huge return. But for a team that's looking for a veteran presence, a guy who's been in the league for forever, a guy who has playoff experience, Bailey's a viable option. I'm not saying he's going to net much back in return, but with Bailey's contract, it's very reasonable. Was it five million a year for the next two seasons? I, that's a guy who I think it would be very very mobile if you had to try to trade him. I, I, I that's why I'm like I think to myself, okay, we had a little bit of a cap constraint. We could have found a way to move Bailey if really the cards were in for, for Vladimir Tarasenko, I think. Maybe, maybe not, because nobody knows if what what if there was any demand. I didn't hear any any anybody coming to the islands asking to trade for Josh Bailey. And I, and I do like Bailey, you know I do. Um, I didn't hear any trades like that out there. We can speculate on – by the way, that's one of the things that fans love to do. They love to put up their trade speculation. This trade, we should make this trade, we should make this trade. You know – 95% of trades that ever get talked about never even cross the 20-yard line. That's a true fact. Very few trades that are talked about get even get completed. So it, there is a lot of com- – it is complex to complete a lot of these trades. And you just assume that somebody wanted to come get them, that somebody was willing to take them that late too into the period where now teams have already molded their caps. It was a very difficult move at the time. So let's let's ever hear that before, TJ. You ever heard that point before? Teams have cap space. Teams do have. You ever hear that? You ever hear why you trade guys early and not wait till last minute? You ever heard that one before? Teams teams have cap space, and here's the thing: it doesn't take Josh Bailey. Even if you say, "Hey, we're willing to offer you a bargain," right? Josh Bailey for a seventh round pick. I'm not saying I'm just throwing ideas out there. Not worth a seventh round pick. He's not even worth a used puck bag. Here's the thing. Josh Bailey has certain things that teams... He's not even worth the COVID test that put him out of commission for a week. I believe he has value. He does. He's got value. I know you don't think he does, Grumpy, but... Nobody else in the league does. No one else in the league think he has value. No one. You watch the Islanders re-sign him. You watch him get re-signed after he's been stealing money for how many years. You watch him get re-signed. He's not... Um, so. I don't think he's going to – I, you know, I, I never want to try and make that claim when it's something a few years down the road. You just don't know what's going to happen. But they have, they have jobs. To get you signed here. Bob Bailey has been discussed in trades before. So that doesn't tell me there's a guarantee that he's even going to make it through this contract. And, that, and, that, and obviously, you know, I've always said Bailey's not a first liner. He's a useful player on the team. It, to me, he's always been a tweener between the second and the third line. He's a, he's also people forget that he's a streaky player himself. I know we talk about Bavillier being Mr. Streaky. Bailey's streaky. He, he'll be horrible for 10 games and then be really good for 10 games. I've never understood that about him. And and Bailey is a very effective passer, you know, when his head when his head is on straight and in his games when it's not on straight. Right now, though, uh, other than maybe three or four players, I can I can complain about almost everybody right now. 
other than about three or four players on this team. My issue with the team this year, I love that line, by the way. It was beautiful, John Volpe. Um, my problem is that the guys who are the core guys, they're the ones not producing this year. That's the biggest issue is the core guys, which are the majority of guys are in their 30s. And I said, I've always said, you know what? Guys don't get better in their 30s. You wonder if some of them have peaked and are now on the downside. The style we play is so hard physically and mentally that you. I just don't think the majority of players can do it into their 30s. It's a very difficult style to play over in the 82-game season and then however many playoff games. Very, very difficult. Plus my point that we are not playing Islanders hockey because we're not playing physical. We're not standing up guys at the line. You know, we're not we're not bullying guys in front of the net. We're letting guys stand everywhere. Let you've me tell you got, something, Tommy. You've got to get physical. The older you get, the tougher it is to play that physical game on the line. Every day. That's that's my point. When you get to that point, it's like, you know what? Yeah, I used to be able to do that when I was 25, but you know what? I'm 30-something now. And you know what? I don't skate as well. Man, you know what? Usually I could take those shots along the wall or, you know, those little things. Well, now they stick with you longer. That's just what happens when you get older. I'm telling you from personal experience. Oh, I played. I know. I mean, you know, so it's like that's – it's not – so to me is are we seeing the decline now um, or can we maybe put it off for another six months? I don't know. Too many guys in their 30s, oldest team in the league. That's a problem with the style we play. I think it is a problem. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. I think we're going to see that continue to rear its head. Um, would you also not? Would you also agree that confidence can be a, is a very fragile thing in sports? That one minute, you know, something can hit and you turn around and you start to feel like something good's coming and just you're still a little bit jumping your step. You're a little bit in the spot you're supposed to be in. Because your head gets a little more focused in sports, you get into that zone. They have nobody's reached a zone right now. They they need that moment right now, and I'm not guaranteeing that it's going to come. Sometimes you can feel it as a fan. You can feel it as a moment during a season where it's turning right now. They need that moment right now. It doesn't appear that it's there, right? You just watch that game. It made you want to throw up. This is yeah, but this is for me. This is not a young team that's learning one another. This is a team that has been together almost what 90% of the players have been together in this system for four years. They know it's expected. This should not be surprise. This should not be a surprise. To them. It's not like Barry Trotz is whipping out some new strategy for them to learn. This is the same team with the same group of players with the same system and the same coaches. I, I just wonder if this could be the end because of our age. That's all. Well, did you, did you ever think too, that sometimes it's good to have an ulterior strategy? That when, oh, something's I think not working, when something's not working, you jump to something else as a backup. You should always know how to do two things. You would think, but I don't think these players are talented enough to play another style. Not at their age. I, I want to I want to go back to the point that you made, Coach Tommy B, about you know the peaks and the valleys. I feel like the peaks and the valleys are more applicable for younger teams, teams that you know you've got a lot of those young impressionable players, right? The highs are really high for those young guys because their first time being there, and the lows are really low. When you've got a team full of vets, thirty plus years old, uh, there's not so much the peaks and valleys. It's just kind of treading along i mean there's ups and downs for certain but the peaks and valleys should not be we shouldn't be in this deep of a <laughs> this deep of a valley that's for certain i don't think are they robots or are they humans 
they're humans, but in the same token, <laughs> they're professional athletes. So, you know, you talk about the peaks and the valleys, right? For peaks and valleys for us, you know, everyday guys, everyday Joes, for certain there's peaks and valleys in life. On the hawk, on the ice, and if you're professional athletes, the peaks and valleys should be controlled. That just comes with the that just comes with the territory, right? You're a veteran. I expect you to be able to handle again the adversity. I'll correct it this time: the adversity that comes your way. Well, who's to say that they can't handle this? We we don't know that yet. We're gonna find that out very soon, you know. But they're going through a bad stretch. We're gonna find out whether this is just just gonna be who they are, or we're gonna find out if it's a bad stretch and they're gonna turn it around. We don't know. We don't have an answer to that yet. The three of us don't. That that's sports. We can guess and think. I've seen this team bounce back too many times to throw them under a rug right now and say, "Oh, it's over." And, and I I read it in the drive for five, all the posts. Oh my God, the sky is falling. My, my answer to most of the people is, "Go back to work. Go find something productive to do." I said, uh, "You know, they've earned the right. This team has earned the right, by the way, to, to us to have to at least give them that opportunity to show that." It's a bad stretch. Don't you think after the three years of what they've done, they've earned that right? Nope. Because nope. that was three years ago. That was two years ago. Year ago. The year before. That's today. Today. How are you producing today and this season? How many games have we played where you can actually say that was a good game? Two. A little more than that, but I didn't see what you're saying. That's you realize we've only beaten two teams all year with a winning record. Only two teams with a winning record. Oh, I, I'm, 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 I'm sure that is, but you still have to, you know, I don't care who I. I don't care who I win my games with, as long as I win enough games to make the playoffs. Well, right now, we ain't winning enough games to make the playoffs. Well, right now we haven't. Three teams with a winning record. I want to bring up – I want Who's the third Nashville's team? Nashville's got a winning record. That's why – We I, lost to Nashville. We lost to them. Lost to no – Shootout. In a shootout. That's right. Two. Okay, Grump. That being said – We outplayed Nashville. We, we played them very well. With the record. I'm not concerned with the record. It's not great to be at the bottom. I more care about what we've seen on the ice and how we've played. The inability to score, which has always been a problem, seems to be shining ever so brightly. And what used to be our saving grace, and usually is our saving grace, of excellent defensive play has not been there. And it's not going to be regenerated or rejuvenated there with a guy like Zidane Char and Andy Green. We're not going to see them say, boom, and just see the light fl- the light switch flip on for them and then be world beaters. We're not going to see it. And now we're losing Ryan Pulak for four to six weeks. The, the play has struggled me more, has given me more issues than anything else. And Grumpy Old Man posed a question against the New York Rangers in preseason. He said, Is this not worry you? I said, No, I brushed it off. It's a preseason game. Why does it matter? It's not all that big of a deal. I was kind of nonchalantly, not even really acknowledging that that was a possibility. And uh, Grumpy, and what were the Islanders going to be able to do? Flip the switch. <laughs> Flip the switch right away. But, but seriously, I. I'm a little more concerned that there's some more validity behind it because every single team, Coach Tommy B, as you've seen, everybody else, all the fans have seen that we play that that have a heavy four check, that are extremely offensively talented, have given us fits. And I know that a lot of fans were out there saying, oh, well, these are Tampa, this is Florida, this is Carolina, these are the top of the top teams. Well, we're going to have to beat the top of the top teams in the playoffs to make the Stanley Cup Finals, guys. And, you know, I'm willing to look at maybe the first five, first ten games and say, okay, you know, I, I don't really care all that much about the results. I care how we look. Now we're starting to get around game 15, start getting around game 20, and I just haven't liked the way we've looked. That that's what that worries me. I have to make one quick point. You know, you're bringing up, you know, Chara and Green and blah, blah, blah. To me, 
all right, the defense itself has been great. The forwards coming back and helping has been terrible. J.G. Pajot seems like he's hurt to me. Horrible. He has played, played one, the second game of the year. I thought he played well. Other than that, he's been invisible, absolutely invisible. Brock Nelson has been terrible going back this year playing defensively. I, our wingers are not participating. And it's not just, like I said, for our system to work, the whole team has to be involved in defense. And the, our forwards are just not doing it. I mean, you see a couple guys doing it sporadically, but look at the gap control, like Butch likes to say. I mean, people, they're just walking in. Where are the wingers? I mean, it's its not the de- – I'm not saying the defense has been great, but it's the team defense that's not working. And these guys know what Barry Trotz wants. This is not a surprise to them. I mean, that's the frustrating point to me. You look at indi- – and I just look at the individuals, right? Casey's been meh this year. The fourth line has been – Terrible. Uh, you, you know, whenever they have one good game, you hear, oh, look, the fourth line's back. And then you have a game last night where they were just abominable, right? And they play what? Maybe one out of five or six games. Well, look at, I mean, look at that. I, I, I continue on your point, Grump. Thank you. Yeah, it's just, like I said, to me, it's the team defensive structure that's the issue with the forwards not coming back. And if that's age or injury or whatever, uh, that needs to be rectified before we start winning games because we cannot get into shootouts with teams, can't do it. No, we can't. And, look, I mean, if, if you look, I actually think the biggest problem for the Islands has been the neutral zone play. Okay, I, I know people don't recognize this sometimes about neutral zone play, especially this system. Um, how we slow teams down in the neutral zone is crucial towards this system working, and we're not doing that. Teams are walking through our neutral zone. If you haven't paid attention, uh, see, we're still forechecking well. If you're actually watching, we're still forecheck pretty well, and we do force some turnovers in the offensive zone. We're not finishing, but we do get some turnovers and stuff. The problem is, is the lack of, of, and I think the defensemen are a part of the problem, but it's too grump that they're not stepping up enough. They're always backing up. You've got to force, got to force in the neutral zone. You Char- can't give them free entries. Yeah, Chara can't. Chara can't be if he if he does that if he plays that, forget it. They just walk around him, and he learned that from early in the season. He's just hanging back, hanging back. Like I said, he just stands in front of the net. Now you never see him really engaging much, and every once in a while he'll go into a corner. But I mean, to me, yeah, the defense, like I said, hasn't been great. We don't have a puck mover on defense. That's our biggest issue. You see Dobson when they let him do it, and he'll do it maybe once a game, maybe twice a game. Boom, right down there. Where's everybody else following? Nowhere to be seen. He dumps a puck in his own or drives it deep, and then bam, right back to the blue line. I mean, that's system. That's system. I just I want him just to take the gloves off. You know what? Let's see what these these kids can actually do. That's what I want to see. Do you have replacements for the aging parts of the team going forward? Well, to answer the question of, hey, we've got a lack of offensive ability from the defensive zone, I mean, you're going to have now Sallow slash Dobson slash Robin Sallow. Two of those three are going to be playing every single night. So those are, I mean, you talk about offensive acumen. Those guys all have it. Those three those three defensemen do. What, Grum? But if the system is where we don't want you involved uh, offensively because you have the defensive responsibility, are they going to put up points? And here's the thing. It's not like Bobby Orr is coming out of the minors to play for this team. I'm just going to pull coffee. That's not happening. 
and I'm not expecting I'm not expecting him to not have even Nick Letty, right? I'm not expecting him to have the Devon Taves type effect. Remember when Devon Taves he was overage, similar to to Robin Sallow, he's you know kind of a little ripe on the vine when he stepped up. And you see the winning percentage and you see the results increase immediately um, when he replaced Thomas Hickey. That being said, I thought Tommy Baffey brought up a good point. The zone entry that opposing teams have is far too easy, and I think Grumpy Old Man you chimed on it too. Zidane Chara cannot press any type of way so he's going to allow these people these easy zone entries and when you make it where it's easy to cross the blue line easy to set up i mean you're just giving more chances away to opposing teams and that that's not going to be a problem that's ever going to go away if sedano char is in the lineup right and that's what i mentioned right at the top of the show right when i went on my rant to throw out four four or five things right i want the people to know what this show is going to be about right at the top so they don't have to listen to four hours in they know what they know what the show is going to be about so that's the whole thing, right? Florida last night just walked in the zone anytime they want. We're just backing All up, night. backing up, backing up. All night. But what what is it? What is it? Because they speed kills. It that's does. why they're playing like that. But you have to you have to get speed before it actually gets to full speed. They can you understand what I'm too. saying? I mean, I, I I tell you what, I was really impressed with Florida's ability to move the puck yesterday. Here's the thing: we're not beating Florida. This year, I don't care how many times we play them. We are not beating Florida. We're not beating them. They're just too good for us. There are certain teams that are just too good for us right now. I'm not saying we can't turn it around, but Florida, I said it before the season started. They're the type of team that's death to us, just like Carolina is death to us. And I'm going to tell you what, the Rangers look like they're death to us. The only thing that there's a saving grace for the Rangers I still don't think they play enough defense. But, man, can they move the puck and can they put it in the net? That's going to be a problem for us. They've been moving the puck for the past three years, the Rangers. That's not their issue. The past two or three years. Their issue as well is that they are very soft in letting teams come into their zone. They're letting teams soft in attacking. You know, right now, you know, there's a lot of things that have gone right for the Rangers. I've actually watched a fair amount of their games um, and give their goaltender credit because without him, they would not be 10 3 and 3. They'd probably be closer to 500. They've won a lot of close games, a lot of close games. Um, but that's also how the Islanders normally win. We win a lot of close games, and we're not doing that right now. In fact, we're not even playing a lot of close games. That's the most concerning thing about the Islanders. We're not even playing a lot of close games. Philosophy wise, though, yeah. if our team makes it tough where you've got to fight for every single inch on that ice, every single skate is contested, and you have a defenseman like Chara who cannot contest anything across the blue line because he is like a he's like a traffic cone, does that not hinder the Barry Trot style? I mean, like I think that it's proof enough that he should never touch another minute of ice time unless absolute worst case scenario happens. You're going to have mistakes by the young guys, but at least if you could say, I want you to be able to try to press the issue at the blue line. I want you to make those entries a little bit more forced where it's going to be more difficult for them to enter. It's not like they're just walking into clear open ice. It's just, it's a problem that's not going away until we either a give somebody else an opportunity or b trade for somebody else because Charles is never going to be able to address that. Chara can be more aggressive. Okay, he can. It's a risk. It's a risk that I think is worth taking. He can be more aggressive. He's a huge person on the ice, and he has an he has a reach that is longer than anybody's in the league. He's going to have to utilize those two things to almost perfection. Okay, to get it to work. He can, if he keeps backing up all the time, we're dead. He's got to mix it up. 
got to mix it up. He's got to take those risks, and he's got to use, you know, the the twenty plus years of experience he's had to know how to get on the right angle for it, and how to and how to get the stick in his body in the way. And that that's the way he'll be effective. If he's afraid to do that in the system, then he's got to get off the ice. Do you think Barry is also telling him the same thing? Do you think Barry has one of those talks where he says, Big Z, and, and Z knows it too. You know you can't go ahead and skate as well. You're not as fleet as foot as you used to. I want you to kind of get, let him enter a little bit more. Let him set up. I want you to set up down low, and that's what I want you to maul individuals because, right, his style is much more effective in the playoffs where they let just about anything go. In the regular season, there's a reason. What is he, first or second? I mean, before last night's capade there or two nights ago's capade there where they were fighting on the ice and everything like that, I think he was second in the team in penalty minutes. I have no idea how many minor penalties he's had. He's committed a lot of infractions this year because yeah. you can't get away with cross-checking individuals hugging individuals as they skate around the board tripping hooking he's getting called for it his name value is not allowing him to get away with infractions not true he gets away with a boatload of stuff so you he think he still gets he away with a boatload of stuff out there um, and good for us i mean my gosh he interferes anytime somebody goes near him he's interfering with him you know what he reminds me of you ever see like those little video games like where they got some big spinning thing that chews up the little people as they come past but the whole thing is if you maneuver around them, they can't move to you. So all you got to do is just be smart and move around. I'll never forget the little pirouette play that he did with uh, Zuccarelli uh, coming in. And he just locked the brakes up and woo, like a little top. Uh, Chara does a little spinorama. Uh, Zuccarelli missed the net. But, I mean, it's like, man, if that's not right now Zidane Chara at 44, I don't know what else is. But I'm not going to bury him too much. It's not his fault. It's uh, Trotz's fault for putting him out there every night and Lamarillo's fault for signing him. Look, I also told you something before. We talked a little bit before the show for a little bit. Uh, I told, you know, and I'm a Barry Trotz fan. Still am. Uh, our coaches also are capable of going into slumps. They are. And right now, I think his decision-making has been, you know, poor. And I think they're panic decisions. That's that's To me, when you make decisions panicking, you're going to make bad decisions. That's my personal opinion. And I, I don't like what he's doing. He's not even giving them any chance to gel. He's He, he puts a line together, and in a period and a half later, it's ripped apart. You, you've got to get through this. You've got to fight through this. And if you keep juggling everybody all over the place, they're not going to have any comfort zone. None. You know, I just want to comment on one thing uh, that uh, TJ said earlier. Um, you know, when, you know, maybe Trotz is talking with Chara. You know, he's talking to the guys in the room. And Char is sitting there. All the rest of the defensemen are sitting there watching intently when Barry Trotz talks. He's like, Big Z, you're not moving your feet. You're slow as shit. You're doing pirouettes. You're missing that. You, you can't You can't skate. You can't shoot. You can barely fight. Dobson, you're out tonight. That's exactly how it went. No, no, no. He doesn't. Okay, trust me. He doesn't. For a vet like that, I could imagine exactly how that conversation goes. You missed the point. You missed the point. No, I, I get it. I, I get the point, but I'm just saying, seriously, what those conversations look like is we know you got to have better than that, right? That's all I'm letting you know. That is that is about as much of a criticism as Big Z will ever face in that locker room. doesn't matter. He could be hideous. He can be out there for 17 goals against. He could take 15,000 infractions. It'll just be, you got to do better than that. <laughs> and you know what he says to the press? Yeah, he's better than we expected. Oh, Jesus. I, I heard about that. Noah Dobson? Yeah, Noah sucks, man. He just he doesn't do this right. He doesn't do that right. He does nothing right. He's on the bench. I Ballstrom, want. 
I want to get back to the point that Tommy B made. You'd think that Barry Trotz is maybe making some some mistakes regarding you know personnel decisions. Now, do you think that will continue? Because I don't see and, and Barry's a creature of habit. Barry likes the vets over the younger players. He says it every single time he does one of these actions where he'll bench a Wallstrom or he'll bench a Noah Dobson or he'll play Oliver Wallstrom five minutes of ice time and only give him like two minutes on the power play for your best shooter. Right. And you see him always say, well, the vets got a lot more, you know, space to maneuver. They've, you know, they've had a lot more leash there with me. Do you ever see him? And I mean, ever changing that subscription to that thought process, because that is, I think, the thought process that is giving us the issues right now. We're having issues scoring goals. We're saying, let's put Zach Parise on the first line. Well, first they said, let's break up the first line when Paul Mary, Lee and Barzal were playing well. And let's put Bailey and promote him to the first line because he wasn't playing well. Then after Bailey's first bad 10 games, then they go ahead and move him to the third line, and Zach Parise gets elevated to the first line. Do you think it's always going to be the vets, even when younger guys might have a chance to actually spark a little bit and create some offensive acumen? I'll answer that for you right now. It's, it, it, you can't teach a, an old dog new tricks. And he's not going to change that unless – hey, look, if if we have a bad season, if it happens and we have a bad season and we got 20, 25 games left, then we're like, then he'll play the kids. Then they'll say, all right, you know what? We're not making the playoffs. Let the kids play and learn, and they'll move them up. That's the only way Barry Trotz is doing that. The only way is if we are not in the playoff hunt. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something that Billy Martin did when the Yankees in 1978, mm-hmm. the year after they won the World Series and they came out and they were playing like absolute garbage. And uh, you see uh, they were 14 games behind the Red Sox. And what did Billy do? Ooh, he yeah. just put – the nine names of the players in a hat, and he pulled them out, and that's the batting order. And he rode with that the majority of the rest of the year. He just pulled Jackson eighth or whatever he was. I don't even remember who was what. But he just pulled names out of a hat. That's what – you know what? And here's the thing. I don't – see, Tommy, I'm going to stick up for Barry here. The team has been so bad. Yep. I mean, brutal the whole season with the exception of two games. Brutal that I would just put 12 names in a hat and I'd probably leave some of the guys out, some of my some of my pals, leave them out and just pull them out. Bing, bing, bing. Here are your lines. Learn it, play it, get your heads out of your asses and see what that does to wake up a sleeping team. You know what's funny? I'm, I was waiting because I'm a big Yankee fan. I remember 1978 very well as an eight-year-old. I was waiting for you actually to talk about the Reggie moment um, in Boston. That's what I, I actually – I mean, but that was a that was that was a manager who really had a set on him because to take out your star player, you know, in in your most hated team's ballpark and embarrass the heck out of him in front of all those people and everybody on TV, you know, Billy had Billy had I love Billy Money. He had guts. And the best part about that was he let Reggie go out on the field and then he sent Paul Blair out there to get him off. He's like right in the middle of the game. I remember Bill White calling that game and him coming off me, me. I mean, they almost got into it in the dugout. CTJ, you miss all that. You don't see any of that stuff anymore. Everything's been homogenized. That's old school. That, I mean, that's the ultimate lesson to teach to teach an athlete what he did to Reggie Jackson that day. It got him fired, too, in the end. It kind of did get him fired. But that's that's how you teach a player that you are not above this team ever, 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 ever. And I don't think that's the case with Barry Trotz. He has his, his veterans or his favorites, and they're going to play regardless. And I just, like I said – 
we're not talented enough. There's only one guy on the whole team who I consider talented enough to leave in the lineup regardless. One guy. Everybody else is replaceable. Anthony Bavillier, you know what? I like him. Is he replaceable at the end of the day? Absolutely. One guy on the whole team is irreplaceable. One guy on offense. And even yeah. and even the production on the first line has been kind of scary uh, in regards to what we've seen. Why? Against, against all, was that? Tell me why, though. Because he killed that line when he took Palmieri off it and put Bailey on it. Killed it. Just like he did a couple of years ago when he had Bavillier, Everly, and Barzell. Killed the line. Because, well, this one's not working. So let's take something that is working, break it up, and try to make something else work. It doesn't work like that. Palmieri he would have broke up the French connection line if he was in Buffalo back then. Palmieri, he's the best guy right now. For Barzell on a consistent basis is Palmieri. I'm just saying that right now. I know I know he struggled to score. It's not lack of effort. It's not lack of a of a guy that's not playing pretty well on the ice. He's hit. He's nobody's hit more posts than Kyle Palmieri, by the way, on this team. Nobody has. All right, he belongs up on that top line right now. It's their best formula. But I also think Walsh should be playing on the second line. I that's think Walsh, I think Walsh and Nelson and Bavillier should be together. That's, I think I, I think Wallstrom needs to have an elevated role because we talked about it, right? If Pajot was the way Pajot was pre-injury, he was going to light it up. I thought really with with Wallstrom, but we just haven't seen the same Jean Gabriel Pajot, and that's been concerning, and it will be concerning. And Grump mentioned this, I think, to me off air, but maybe he mentioned it on air last podcast. I don't remember. He said. Jean-Gabriel Pajot is a guy who takes a lot of hard miles, and you wonder if, okay, are we starting to see him acknowledge, I can't keep up this crazy pace where I've got my hair lit on fire for 82 games and the playoffs. Are we starting to see that from him too? Because he literally gets used for everything, right? I know he's a third-line guy, but he plays power play. He plays he plays shorthanded. He plays literally any type of role you could want on this team. See, what I'd like to see, honestly, I'd like to see Wallstrom on the first line. I'm fine with that, by the way. I have no problem with him doing that. I want a sniper on that line. Um, I, to me, Palmieri. I'm making a change if you're doing that. I don't want Lee and Wallstrom on the same line. See, I, don't. I have no problem moving Wall, moving Lee down and putting Bavillier on the first line. Then I'm then I, I'm okay with that. If, if you want to go Bavillier, Barzell, Wallstrom, and let Lee, Nelson, and Bailey form that vet line, thank you. I'm fine with that. I'm totally yeah. fine with that. They've always seemed to play well, and then I can focus my hate on one line as opposed to scattering it throughout the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any so hate. Seriously, seriously, they've always played well together as a unit for whatever yeah. reason. They, they have. always have. I don't understand the fast. To me, Anders Lee is another guy who's been absolutely invisible this season. Just invisible. I mean, Not Matt Barzell's like there. To me, almost seems like he's like General Custer in the last stand. Everyone else is just getting shot down around him. It's it just it's so frustrating. It's got to be frustrating for him. And I'm going to pose this question for you, Tommy. If you're a free agent who's a goal scorer, why would you come to play for the New York Islanders when you see the numbers that Everly was putting up? And I'm just throwing him out as an example. When he was with the Islanders, you saw what he did in Edmonton. He comes to the Islanders, puts up half the numbers. He leaves the Islanders. He's putting up numbers at big paces again. If you're a, a, a goal scorer or an offensive player, why would you want to come play for the Islanders? Because two reasons I'm going to give it to you. If they have the money to give you, then they have the money to give you. Money always talks. That's number one. And number two, um, for three years, they have been a very successful team. Yes, I might score a little bit less, but if I can score, collect my money, and win some games, that's not a bad formula. You know, 
So, you know, certain guys who just want to pad their numbers, you're right about. That's a different type of player. But I don't care about the player who wants to pad his numbers. I'm not even interested in that guy. Um, I'm just saying, I'm just saying like a Forsberg. Because if they pay him and he, and he likes Barzell, and, look, I think if you put Forsberg with Barzell, okay, Forsberg's going to score 35, 40 goals every single freaking season. Right. Agreed. Right. So if we have the money for him and he knows he's going to play with Matt Barzell, he'll sign. Or he could, or he could go to a team like Tampa or a team like Florida. Because every, you can always create – I always laugh when I say, oh, the cap, the cap. You know what? It's just because you're not – you're not creative enough to create space because every team can do it. They do it year after year. You see contracts like unmovable contract, can't move it, and it gets moved. You can do it. You just have to fight the, find the right dance partner, and I think that's with every team in the league. To some extent, you're right because I'm, I'm one person who said that there's no way in, in hell they're moving Andrew Ladd's contract. Amazingly, they found somebody to take it. All right? And all right, he's got, I think he's got three goals. <laughs> So he'd be, he'd be, off, he'd be off, what our fourth leading goal scorer if he was still here. But they they moved it, you know. I mean, so I, I mean, in most cases, I guess it's possible. Um, it's still very tricky to manage this cap. I, I do like our cap situation going forward. Um, I think it's it, it is set up next year for them to have that money to just to burst out on that big player. They have the money to do it. So you know, I, you realize we have never signed a big player to free agency ever. We, we have tried, and you are correct. We never have, but all things come to an end. So it's at some point it's going to happen with the new arena. At some point, that's going to be an attraction. It's going and to happen. I think you mentioned year. all things come to an end because that's what this Islander team seems like it's doing right now, coming I, to an end. I, I I hate to be this guy, but I always think that next year the defense would be. Set up, I think, for more success than it is this season. Big time. I Big think. Time. I think because we won't see. We're going to address the need for a top four left-handed defenseman this year at the trade deadline. I still think it's Giordano, and I think we sign him back maybe to a one-year extension. I think we'll see Salo kind of on and off the remainder of the year. If he plays well in this trial time period, I think you could see him vi- fighting or vying for a spot from Green or Chara. I, I, I don't. I don't see how he might not. I could see him earning a spot during this trial time period. With Charles not coming back next season. Well, no, and, I mean like for the rest of the season. I'm. I'm talking oh, about okay. in favor over Char. I think he'll play possibly more games. And and what I think ideally is going to happen is all right. You get you know sixty some odd games or maybe 40, 50 games under Salo's belt. Maybe sixty with playoffs or anything like that. If he gets any action next year, he's your guy. Right, you'll have Giordano sign. You'll have Salo playing consistent minutes. Dobson will have another year of additional experience, and then you're going to see slowly them breaking in a guy like Bolduc. Yes, and, and quite frankly, I, you know, I I would probably, and this might not be popular to the to the Islander fan, I would probably trade Mayfield next all season. Really? Why not? Why not? He's got value in a cheap contract. I can get something good for him. And I got guys coming. Let these guys play. I I don't need to pay Scott Mayfield $4 million a year. See, my biggest concern is they're going to have to have a conversation. I've said this before. They're going to have to have a conversation with Barry Trotz at the end of the year and say, Barry, this is what we're doing. We're moving some of the veterans out, going to play younger guys. Are you all in for that? And if he says no, bye bye. Well, we're going to learn something this offseason. 
because after this offseason, Trotz has one year left on his deal. You know the routine with coaches. They don't. Most coaches don't like to sit on one-year deals. So we're going to learn a lot when the season is over about what direction they're actually going to take the team and going forward at UBS. And I just, like I said, but I, I truly, and tell me if you, what, what you think on this, Tommy, I firmly believe that they're going to have to have that conversation with Barry sooner rather than later. I mean, and you, it just has to be a philosophical thing. I'm of the mind that I felt when Barry and Lou came in to start that the fan base would have said, okay, if you went into full on rebuild, if you would have done that right in your first year, I think the fan base would have said it's Lou Lamarillo. It's Barry Trotz coming off a of Stanley cup. We're willing to go through a couple more years of pain to build a young team, build it from the ground up and be something that's sustainable. I'm bold a lot of times with things, and and what I what I would do after I mean they got to finish they got to do this year and hopefully that it works out. Um, I think next year is the time to change the system, unleash a new system. I trust Sorokin in a wide open system. I trust why he's that good, and take advantage of it. As you add salary, you add more. If you say you bring back Gio Dano and you got more speed and more offense on your defense, let him loose, let him loose. Open it up and trust that goaltender because that goalie is special. But True. here's here's the thing with Trotz. Trotz has never coached that style, even in Nashville with her Predators for years before he never yeah. did that. In Washington, he never did it. Well, see, and that's that's my right. Got to be goodbye, Barry Trotz. We have to just say, all right, we'll maybe migrate away. But it's weird to have the conversation because I think they like the success they've seen under Barry Trotz. And if Trotz is gone, then I know you always wonder how much does Lamarillo still have left in the tank or being here. So you might see drastic changes. I don't. What if, what if Matt Barzell? is unhappy with the direction of the team. They'll change. See what I mean? That's what I'm saying. He's the most important player. He's coming up on his last year of restricted free agency. If he's like, you know what? Yeah, Barry's taught me a lot about the game, and he has, FYI. Yes. Um, but you know what? I can be a much better player, a marquee. And I'm not saying that he's a me guy, but – I want some wingers. I want to play a little bit more of an open style so we can put the pucks in the net. I mean, I think fans will go to uh, the new arena. What's USB? UBS? UBS. 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 Holy crap. I'm going to give you a comparison, guys. You know, and, and, and the difference is he actually has won a Stanley Cup. Maybe Barry Trotz can remind you of the Buck Showalter of hockey. Yeah. He can, can never get the team so far and get you in a good position and then you make the maneuver to get him out and put the right guy in to finish off the job. Marty Schottenheimer was another one. There's some. Here's the thing. I am a firm believer that Trotz was – luck maybe is a little bit stronger. He was beneficial He's playing been. the Knights in the year they got to the Stanley Cup. They were the favorites going year in, year out oh, yeah. with Washington, and they could never beat Pittsburgh. The one year they finally beat them, they played the Golden Knights and wound up winning that cup. But – and I just think if they had so much talent that Ovechkin kind of bought in a little bit that last year, and that's what kind of elevated them over the top. But I always found it interesting that Washington didn't really want him back as a coach. Well, there was I a key, key move to their championship, which is one of the most ironic things I've ever watched in a playoff run. And that was that they started the backup goalie in the first couple of games. Do you remember this? They went with Grubauer. 
yep. and it failed, and they went back to Holpe, and Holpe just lit the world on fire. To me, that that was one of the strangest moves I ever saw, and it actually, to me, propelled them to win the cup. Right, because they came out and they lost their first couple of games, and yep. then. But I mean, to me, I always found it interesting that Washington really made no effort to keep him after the season. No effort at all. And, you know, good for us. But, you know, in the long run, there's guys like Marty, Marty Schottenheimer who can get you to the cusp but can't put you over the top. I just yeah. feel Barry Trotz is one of those guys. He, he might be. He might be. He's a really good coach. He can build you a good system. He can build you a competitive team. He can make you want to come out. You'll win some games. You'll win some playoff rounds. But you need the guy who's just going to have a little bit more guts to open it up when you need to open it up. And that's why now I know we're in, I know we're in possession of a very special goaltender. I know we are. So I am more comfortable taking risk with that guy in net. And not, no knock on the long off. He's a good goalie. He's but solid. he's not. He does not have anywhere near the, the ability of this kid. It, again, Varlamov's production, just like Leonard's production, just like Grice's production, just like everybody who's come before him under the trot. It's just part of the trots' system. Now, I wanted to bring this up here to, uh, and Grump. I, hopefully, I won't cut your thunder off. But Scott L., and this was something that talking about the power play usage, right? The power play has been hideous. Now, Grump, you might you might notice this individual that we're, we're going to pop up on screen. I want your opinion on this, too. Um, uh, Coach Tommy B, you might you might notice this guy. Grumpy. Do you know how dumb this power play is? Like, legitimately, I almost refuse to believe that there's NHL personnel working on this in practice saying, oh, yes, this is a good idea. You have a lefty and Bailey paying, playing the left side, and then you take Barzal, a righty, and put him on the right side, meaning they literally have no threat of a shot coming from either side because their sticks are not on their offside. They're against the boards. Like, look at that right there. What can he do with that puck? What can Barzal do with that puck right there? Look at this. So he's on, he's on the wing against the boards. What is he supposed to do as a righty? You're not going to shoot from that awful angle. And now because you're a righty, you don't even have a clean pass at the defenseman. If you were a lefty there, you obviously are along the boards and can move it to the outside. But him, he has no way to get that to the defenseman without being... Uh, intercepted right there. Same thing goes with Bailey, who's over there. I mean, look, I hate him on the power play, but if he is on it, he should be on this left side. Now, neither of them can cut to the middle and get a shot. How many times have you seen Barzell over there? Cut to the middle and then roof it. This power play is fully designed to do nothing but fail. And it's not like a fluke. Every power play, they put Barzell on the right side, Bailey on the left side, what the hell is the ultimate goal of setting it up like this? There's no way this can succeed. Look at this. And uh, now that's Andy Francis, I mean, the old man. Yeah, I, I know. I just want to say, having Bailey play on the left side is a relatively new thing. He's well, always I, been on the right side. Well, that's I think a point he was trying to bring up, right? In order to fix the power play woes, what did we do? We swapped sides. So we swapped the sides of Matt Barzal and Josh Bailey. How the hell did you ever think that was going to work? That was what Andy Francis was bringing up, though. But you know, uh, you're right. But now you, you know, want I don't know if it to work. You want it to work? First off, fire this guy. He needs to be fired now. Jim Hiller, out. Goodbye. He's had plenty of time to work on this power play. It's not working. See ya. Fire him. It's not the coach. It's it, is, it is partly because I'm watching a, a, a repetitive design. He finally actually changed his design and made it. He made it worse. True, he, true. But here's the thing: it's not the coach; it's the players. 
All I know is when he was with Toronto, they had the number one play. They had the number one power play team in the league. It was because of the talent. Talent wins out. My whole, I, I, you know, one thing I noticed, I did mention to TJ off air. If you look at Josh Bailey on the power play, he never even looks at the net. He never looks at the net. I'm like, I was watching. I'm like, why does he never look at the net when he gets the puck on the side? He doesn't even look at the net. I'm like, dude, what are you even there for? It's frustrating. How many games since he scored a power play goal? My, my, my frustration is this, uh, is that power plays, the most successful part of a power play is two things, and that is traffic in front and one-time shots through the open lanes. That's how you score on a power play. And we create none of it. You want to know why? Because we have no puck movement. You look at the teams that are successful, bang, bang, boom. They got the guys chasing all over the place. They don't know what to do. That's what you get. You get the defense scrambling opens up opportunities. Our passes, but up, but up, but up, but a but a boop, but a bit. Can I hear? Can I hear that sound effect one more time, Grump? No, I'm just. We do, Grump. But a Well, number one, we got an ad to read there, and we'll get back there to the podcast. That being said, today I can show something on that PowerPoint. Yeah, I'll bring I'll bring it back up. We got an ad to read from DraftKings. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just one dollar on any NHL game and win a hundred dollars in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However, they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN and throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with the promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. A minimum of a $5 deposit and a $1 wage is required. One per customer's restriction apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, TJ, you did a pretty good job there. I'm going to give you some kudos. I didn't, <laughs> didn't bungle that one. You know, one thing about that ad that I noticed, it said the greatest sport on ice. And you think about it, what other sports are there on ice? you got curling. You have figure skating, speed skating. Uh, what else do you have? Are there any other type of ice sports? Ice fishing? I don't know if that's really a sport. Hmm. I want to give I want to give you, go ahead and give you this back here, Coach Tommy B, where you could talk, mention something about the power play. Right. Well, first off, you see that we got two guys off of their off shooting lanes, right? Now you have two players in front of the net. And this is what you have to do sometimes. Like whether this player here, if he's if you want to pop him a little bit, you want to actually pick off players. You want to pick off players to open up a lane. So th this guy right here should be actually bringing this guy across so this guy can pop out and recircle back into the slot and be there for a shot. Now, when you have the puck, too, you want to draw somebody to you. How do you draw somebody to you? You go towards them. If you go towards them, it's almost it's almost like a nursery. You pull them in. And once you do that, you can make your little move. The guy slides out here. You ever see TJ OC do that all the time? 
and they make that little play, and Oshie slides to that spot, and there's nobody standing there covering him. You make that loop, you slide, you pull the guy out, you make the little pass across, you've got a shot in the slot. We never do that. Never. You want to know why? It's because we don't have talent enough players. You want to know something else about that power play? Did you see anyone who's a shooter on that power play? Nope. That's oh. why you you had Dobson, Barzell, Bailey, Lee, and who was the guy? Who was the other guy in the middle there? Yeah, had, had, uh, had to be Paul Mary. Paul Mary actually has a pretty good shot, and, and so does Barzell. I'm not saying yeah, they're great shots, but they but have. But he's a buttons pass first, is my point. Yeah. Why wouldn't Wallstrom be on that first power? He's play? supposed to be the trigger man, in my opinion. I mean, you did it all last year with a guy who put how many goals did he score last year? One. I'm I'm okay with keeping Barzell on the pass side if Wallstrom's the guy on the other yes. side, and I'm drawing that that loop move, and then Barzell drawing a guy who's a great passer. He can get that pass through every freaking time, and then you're setting up Walls, Wallstrom in that slot where he's absolutely deadly. He's deadly. Yep. And we just, for whatever reason, because we're going to punish him because he didn't back check on one power play. It led to a goal, even, the you know, a game we got rolled. But that's the play we want. I mean, I remember that play. You had four guys in the corner. I mean, was he the only one who made a mistake? No. I mean, but that's the guy you single out. The guy who's your second leading goal scorer is the guy that you want to single out and you want to bench, and then you bring him back and you put him on the fourth line. How is he supposed to produce from the fourth line? I mean, it's just these mind-boggling days. It's always driven me crazy, his total disrespect for young players, and you know what he used to do to Barzell all the time. This is the first year I think you're, you've seen the end of him benching Matt Barzell. Now, I think Barzell has upped his game again this season. Uh, in his defensive responsibilities. I think you're seeing that a lot more. And Barry's like, well, he's finally uh, – what was the – he used a specific word that he used, um, like could finally – Yeah, I know. He, he's, he's reached that – he's crossed that 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 red line now where he's now oh, gone over the red line of trustability. Yes. And it's like he's finally accepted. That's what – he's finally yeah. accepted – you know, the fact that he needs to do the other things. Well, here's the thing. When you have a racehorse, it's like telling Secretariat when he was a racehorse. Well, you know what? We're going to make you a freaking trotter. And, you know, so you're going to have to learn how to trot. We don't care that you can run 100 miles an hour and be every other thoroughbred in the barn. We're going to turn you into a trotter because everyone has to do the same things all the time. And that's what he's he's done in effect to Matt Barzell. Bar- Barzell has the ability to make up for those mistakes. The guy's fast as anything, and, he, and he's unbelievably smart. I don't know if people realize how smart of a player he is. I mean, but you know, with that thing with the power, but I'm going to offer it to the. I have actually have a guy who's on the, watching your show right now who, who used to play hockey with me, and I used, used to coach. He'll tell you how I ran my power plays. My power play was absolutely deadly. Okay, it's all about motion some degree of physicality, and, yes, putting the right people in the right spots. You use shooters in shooting spots. You use passers in passing spots. You use so how, big What bodies. was the age of this league? What was the age of this league? Oh, back then? I was in my 20s. So, you know, it was a, it was an adult league. Mites? So you're playing against seven-year-olds? Oh, yeah, we were killing those seven-year-olds. I know you were. I mean, I, I heard, I've, heard, I've heard some references to that. But this, I mean, it's 
it is it's difficult sometimes as a fan and as much as I love the team to watch that. I mean, there's a lot of things I still like about the team. The power play infuriates me because it's 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 not all personnel, Grump. Some of it I agree with you with. There are guys there that are capable of playing these roles properly and they're not doing it. So either they're being defiant or the coach just isn't pushing it. It, it could be a combination of both. This is not the first coach who's had these same players and couldn't get them to produce. This guy has had success other places he's been. He's had success. The only place he hasn't succeeded is here. I mean, you know, when you have a track record of being successful everywhere but here, I'm going to blame the here. Well, I mean, Trotz has had a successful power play in Washington, as we know. I mean, now Ovechkin is a once-in-a-lifetime player. There you go. Okay. But he's still, you know, he, 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 how he positioned and got those other guys to put their positioning <laughs> also made that power play more deadly. And I, what I see is nobody moves but Barzell. That's right. They all just stand around. And then I they laugh at people screaming around. at Barzell. I, I listen to the fans in the stands screaming at Barzell. Why doesn't he pass the puck? Why isn't he shooting the puck? Because people have to move. That's right. That's right. They just stand, they're just standing still. That's on the players. That's on the players. I'm sorry. They know. Okay, if you've ever played hockey, you know you just can't. You just can't Zdeno char it. You have to move. You know, I mean, I, it's, I, like I said, that's on. That's all on the players. I'm sorry. You know, I, I don't know that. if anyone heard this. I'm going to go a little bit off the boil here a little bit. Uh, did you see when Barzell scored our only goal against Tampa the other yeah. night? And yeah. it was the headman had a brutal turnover. Just mishandled the puck, threw it right to Parise. And Parise throws, you know, just throws the pass in the center ice. And they were like, Butch is like, wow, what a pass by Parise. Yes. I'm like, dude, I could have made that pass today. There it's was nobody nice in front of him. And he just flipped it over the stick and Barzell did everything. It's still a nice pass. I mean, uh, I, I know, and he should be able to make that. Don't get me wrong. If he it's couldn't have made that pass, he needs to be right. charred. He needs to be hosang out of there. I'm going to say one thing about this, and this is what I always went off this when I was a kid. He was my favorite player, and watching him was a thing of beauty, and that was Mike Bossy. And God bless Mike Bossy. I hope you're doing well and recovering from cancer and all that stuff. You know, he's, he's a great guy and, and the best goal scorer I watched in my lifetime. Mike Bossy said it best. If you are if you are on the if you are on the ice and somebody's standing next to you, move because you're not open. Yep. Can you imagine how many goals Mike Bossy would have scored with the sticks they use today? <laughs> I mean, they just used to use TJ. They just used to use wood sticks back then. Mm-hmm. I know. Wood sticks. I know. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was a good point um, too that you brought up there about about Matt Barzal too, man. I tell you, it's. I wonder how long it is until he starts to get frustrated. I mean, people say, and again, I, I don't think he looks all that frustrated on the ice now. Sometimes. I think sometimes so. he does. Okay, sometimes he does. But it's not like I haven't seen it all that often right now. But I just wonder how long it's going to be until we start to see that frustration kind of leak through. Because he's he when he gets frustrated, you know, some players can kind of hold it a little bit. They can hold it within themselves. My bar's all, you know, you always get like the frames of him, like yelling, smashing shit. He's just, he's, he's a guy, you know, his anger kind of bleeds through him. He kind of wears his, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And I wonder how long it's going to be until he's like, 
he's starting to hit that boiling point. We've always said Matt Barzal, I feel like, is the only or he'd be the first guy. If anybody tunes out Barry Trotz, I think Matt Barzal is the first guy to tune out Barry Trotz. But I, I do think you're right, Grum. He has been singing a little bit of a different tune about Matt Barzal. Even if he makes mistakes or items like that, he's not tearing Barzal now because he's hit the threshold in the red line. For me, the reason of that, I, I, for what, what, for me, he will, he will tolerate it as long as they're winning. The, as soon as they go and they start losing, then you'll see the frustration come out, because winning is a salve for bad feelings or when things aren't going well. But if you're losing and you're seeing the effort you're putting in and you're seeing these ham and eggers who are playing on the wings with you. I could see that getting frustrating for him. And you're right. He does not hide that well. Barzell is the face of UBS. Let's get that straight. He is the face of this hockey team officially now. That's why Trotz has let him cross that red line for, the, for, for real. If a battle happens next year between Trotz and Barzell, it'll, it'll be Trotz who's gone. Really? And it should be. It yes, should be. Um, I know. I'm telling you this. I know this. And I know the man who pulls the strings is Malkin. And if Malkin gets unhappy, he'll 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 order it. He'll order it. He's not going to have this new arena and this product and have this garbage. He won't allow it. I think it's, it's going to be. Barzell's team. It's not Anders Lee's team. It is Matt Barzell's hockey team from this year forward. I like that. I like that's the way it should be. He is the star of the team. He's. Do you think anyone pays money to say, "Hey, I want to go see Anders Lee stand in front of the net tonight"? No, they want to see who puts who puts fannies in the seats. You got two guys on the whole team, two, two, maybe three, maybe Maybe three, three. maybe three or four, maybe three. Sorokin, Barzell, Wallstrom. That's it. Nobody else puts fannies in the seats. Believe Nobody not, certainly does. Believe it or not, I think Pellick does to some extent because he's that good at what he does. He he plays defense. I know, but he's really good at it. <laughs> okay, okay, but are you going to say, man, I want to go to tonight's game to see Adam Pellick, you know, pick off passes in his zone? People want to people want to see. They want to see Connor McDavid. They want to see Drysaitel. That's what they want to see. That's different animal, yes. They want to see brilliance on the ice or they want to see wins. If you can see both, that's excellent. But people will come for one. If you win a lot of games, doesn't matter if you're the most boring team in the league, the fans will come. And if you've got individual brilliance out there on the ice that you can market and you're losing a lot of games, but you see one moment that's like, oh, my God, I'll remember this and tell my kids about it, people also come for that. Yeah, but that also depends on the area. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you something right now. In, in New York – in Long Island specifically, um, if we are a last place team with Connor McDavid on it and we're a last place team every year, we're still going to have half empty stands. In Edmonton, there's nothing else to do. There's nowhere else to go or do anything else in Edmonton. Might as well go to the game. Otherwise, I'm going to be I'm going to be shoveling 30, you know, 30 feet of snow. There's nothing else for me to do in Edmonton but go to an Edmonton Oilers game. That's you know what, what that's my life. You're wrong, Tommy. It's 25 feet of snow, not 30. <laughs> oh, man, man. So so let me ask you this again, because I know a lot of fans, a lot of people, it's it's good to kind of let it all out. Now, this is a time period I want to I want to get kind of the 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 worry meter as to where you guys are right now. It's very early in the season yet, but I think more we're looking at the play that we've seen on the ice. I want to get I want to first get Coach Tommy B's worry meter because I can kind of I, I have a feeling where I think 
grumpy old man's worry meter is. But you have no is, idea. You have no idea what I'm thinking. Okay. Where is your worry meter? What are you thinking right now? Are you concerned? Are you, where's your concern meter at? Coach? Is it like a one to ten thing? A one to ten, sure. Okay, there you go. Let's let's establish the ground rules right up front. Okay. I mean, if, I'm going to give you my number, but my worry meter is going to be less than gross. I can guarantee that. Only because I, I told you what I told you earlier. I have to give some benefit of the doubt to what I've watched the last three years and give them that opportunity. Okay. Do I know, you know, through all my life being based around, uh, honestly, being hockey as a little kid, do I know there are times when good teams can have bad seasons and take steps back to take those steps forward? And, and could we be watching that right now? It's very possible. I always do try to look at the perspective of the future, too. And if sometimes I have to have to take a hit to win a cup a year or two later, it's worth it to me. But do I have a worry meter? Yeah, I have a worry meter. I mean, right now I say I'm in the five to six area because I do think this team is capable of coming out of it. But this schedule is really screwed up. If, if you really look over the whole schedule, Grandpa TJ, it's, it's one of the wackiest schedules I've ever seen in my life. So I have no idea how the effect of a, of a schedule like this on this team. They play so many, they play a ton of back-to-back -back home games, which stinks for me to fan. I don't want to drive to Belmont back-to-back -back nights. <laughs> I don't want to do that. That's a pain in the you-know-what. So, I mean, I can imagine the same for the players. You know, so all those things, you factor in everything. And, and look, the you know, the defense looks terrible. It looks terrible. If you're an Isle fan, you said, and you're trying to sugarcoat this, they look terrible. So, so, and let me also, I know you talked about the schedule, right? You also have the Olympics this year too, jammed in there as well. So, you know, you talk about how easy it is if you, let's say you're getting hot before the Olympics, you've got the Olympics rolling through. It's, and we're going to have a lot of games jammed within a tight, tight time period. The older players will struggle being able to bounce back if we're not able to give them some sort of load management, I think. But you're at about a five or six, Coach Tommy B. Now, Grump, I want to hear where your worry meter is. As of today? As of today, right now. I'm, I'm sure it hasn't changed. Four. Oh. As of today. A week and a half a week a week and a half from now, if we get beat by the Flames, Toronto, the Rangers, then it's DEFCON one. Uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, season's over. If you come out and lose the first three games of your homestand to teams that are once again teams that have a winning record, season's over for me. But I'm willing to give them three days. I laugh when people say, "Oh, does the magical salve, the magical crew?" You know, it's like those guys in the old west. They used to come in with their buckboards and they'd sell you this magical elixir that fixes everything from rheumatoid arthritis to cancer to broken bones. That's what they think that this. Well, does it give? Does it give hair? Because if that grumpy, we got to start getting some of that magical elixir, buddy. It could hair everywhere, but you don't want to know where it puts the hair. Okay, <laughs> but here's the thing. If that's if if we wind up losing those three games coming out of the shoot, everyone thinks that just going home is going to be the magical elixir that's going to solve all of our problems. I don't see that at all. What I've seen this season is what I've seen all year long. The fact that we are just outmanned with teams that have speed. We're not playing this cohesive unit. We're not playing Islander Barry Trotz hockey until we do. It's going to be a problem. Can you put that together in three days? I don't think so. We haven't done it all. We've done it one or two games the whole year. It's a problem. 
But right now, four. If it's next week and we're another three games in a hole, we're seven-game losing streak going to Pittsburgh, or when Pittsburgh comes into town, then it's a 10. Or maybe nine. <laughs> maybe a nine. I give you credit. I thought yours was going to be higher than mine. My no, no because I'm now. willing to give them – I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt going home. You know, you hear all this thing, this, that thing about the home, the home. They spend more time at home than they would during a normal season with all the breaks they've had in between. So I don't, honestly, I don't want to even hear that. And you have the backside, you're going to have all home games. Is the home field, is the home ice advantage going to be what it was in Nassau Coliseum? Who knows? We're going to have to find out. See, I, I just I don't subscribe to that. I think you're going to have the home ice advantage. You've got the last change. You're going to learn the bounces of the boards pretty quick. I'm, I'm not all that worried per se quite yet, but I think this the the style of play has been bad. It's it's like a culmination of the two things that can't happen. Right, goaltending has been fantastic. That's not the issue. Our defense was <laughs> allowing easy zone entries, and it's been porous at best. Our forwards haven't done a good job there on the defensive side of the puck, and they haven't done a good job of scoring either. Let me ask you guys this. We're going to see some new faces here on defense. I'm sure we're going to hopefully see uh, more of an effort um, back-checking there for our forwards. We're going to see a more effort there of them, you know, dotting their I's and crossing their T's. And uh, which do you think is going to change first for the Islanders? Do we start to score score goals in droves? where we can start producing some more points on the board, or are we going to see our defense shore things up? Because both of those those both of those both are issues right now. I thought I saw a stat that Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid combined have more points than all the Islander forwards put together. And again, like I know it's early on in the season, but it was one of those like eye-popping things. I was like, holy crap. Unless it's game one of a season, that's embarrassing. It's 13 games in. They played a couple more games. Okay, so we'll give them that. But two players, and arguably the two best players in the game right now. Two Hall of Fame, two Hall of Fame guys. Um, but, you know, for me, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I had a point, but you went on so long that I forgot. Offensive <laughs> which you think which oh, you think is going to find okay, it? That's you right. I got it. I got it. Or you think it's going to be the new defensive players that are going to get mixed? I got in it. I got it. I got it. Don't go into another 10-minute dissertation on a two-sentence thing. Okay, here's the thing. We're going to have to play better defensively. It's not going to be offensively. You know, Tommy mentioned something earlier, you know, because I've been saying we need more firepower, more firepower. And he's like, yeah, well, they know what's wrong. with They, they know that that's been an issue. They've known it's been an issue since they got here, and they've done nothing to replace it. Nothing. Nothing to rectify that situation. I don't want to hear any excuses, salary cap, this, that, the other. You have tried. could have done something else, and you didn't. You wanted they, the same cast of characters. They have tried, and I can tell you two 100% instances where they made a humongous effort to do it. Panarin, who they went all out to sign, and Stone. We had the agreement to trade for Stone. Vegas wanted our deal, and he did not want to sign a long-term deal here. Those two instances. See, there again. There again. See, that's my point. Two guys who are scorers. Maybe they just don't want to play for Barry Trotz. Two arenas. There were two arenas at that time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you pay enough, they'll come. If you pay enough, they'll come. Have you have you have you gone to that Brooklyn arena, man? And and thank them for taking us and and saving our team for the years that we were in there. That was the worst hockey arena I've ever been a part of in my life. I don't think 
any player is going to say, I'm not going to play for that team because we're playing in that arena. I think they look at, I think they look at system. They look at Panarin. I'm a goal scorer everywhere I've been. You think he'd be putting up the points if he was playing here that he put up for the Rangers? He just wanted to play for the Rangers. I just think that he didn't want to play for the Islanders. No, he was fine with playing for the Islanders. He, but he, but he would, he preferred the Rangers. He would have played here with 100. He would have played here. He wanted to play either. He wanted to play in New York. Number one, that's right. what he wanted. He want. He said he, he would have played for the Islanders if the Rangers didn't decide they wanted him. And it took the Rangers literally to the last second to decide they wanted him. It wasn't something that that they they went after him right away. They waited to the last second to make that offer. I just don't think we're a destination for goal scorers. I just don't not not under Barry Trotz. That can change with the new coach or a new system, but under you know defense grinded out two to one. I just don't think we're a destination for goal scorers. So Grump, you think that the defense is going to be able to sure things around than the offense to answer my question? Long story short, yes. Okay, and Coach Tommy B. I also want to get your opinion on it too, because right the defense we're going to see a lot of new faces. And, you know, hopefully it's going to help jettison some offensive production as well because he's going to be more offensive-minded defenseman than we had out there. Like, uh, So I'll be interested. I, I want to hear your take, You're too. You're getting two answers. And this, the defense is the basis of the system, so the defense has to play well for success. You mentioned about scoring goals and droves. I mean, that's that, that term droves is kind of interesting. I definitely think there's going to be a point here where the Islanders have some offensive success and go on a streak where they do score some goals for a while. I mean, it happens to almost every team during the season. So there's going to be games when that happens. So that's going to actually, that could be what actually catapults us first. Maybe we come back home and have a couple of games where we score five goals and then everybody gets comfortable. And then that's when the defense settles in. But in the defense drives the train, the defense and the goaltending drive this train. Yeah, defense has to get in order before we can score. And, you know, we could only score goals and grow in droves if Tommy Baffey was coaching the power play. As Maybe. You know, talk about patting yourself on the back, beating a bunch of seven-year-olds when he's in his oh, yeah. 20s. Impressive. Thank you. I'm going to get tapes of that for you, Grub, and send it to you. I'll give you a, what, what, are the, what, what kind of clap do they call this? Golf, golf clap. That's it, golf clap. Yeah. Oh, man, oh, man. I tell you, I tell you, it's it's uh, it's definitely an interesting time. I think that the fan base as a whole is kind of on edge, and I don't blame them. That the play that we've seen out there has been it's been hideous. Um, you know, you got to turn around mighty quick. And I, I asked this to Grumpy off air, and I'll have I'll also ask him on air, and I'll ask you too, Coach Tommy B. How long, if we see this continued poor play, how many games into UBS Arena before we start to see the Boo Birds come out when they start booing the Islanders on home ice? Oh, come on. This is New York. New York fans are not shy about booing. You think game one? It happened in the first period. Ah. (laughs) This is New York. We are famous for that. New York and obviously in in Philadelphia and Boston are like that too. They'll boo real quick. The, the, the Boo Birds could come out right away if they're not happy. So I say one game. They get a one-game grace period. That's it. One game. Like opening a, night. Uh, there'll the be a lot of booing on Sunday with Tavares in the building no matter what. That, that's going to happen. Yeah. Let me tell you something. If John Tavares comes in here and puts up a hat trick, and Toronto and Toronto's hot as hell now too, Toronto comes and beats us 7-1, to one, uh, oh, uh, there might be riots in the streets. I mean, on the Cross Island Parkway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> right out in front of the stadium. 
the <laughs> arena. That's USB, UBS, wherever they're coming from. UBS, not USB, like what you plug in a computer. UBS. I'm sorry, hey, I always think it should be USB. I, I, in a way, I wish it was USB because we need to plug in some, plug in some of these players to turn them back on. Oh, Christ! I think uh, you know it's like your old phone. You know, I think a lot of these players. This is here's the analogy I'm going to draw. A lot of these players, you know, when they're younger, they have great battery life. You know, on their phone, right? You plug them in, they're able to last all day. Now you almost gonna have to have the plug in there all the time. Or they go dead after like 10, 15 minutes. You know, a phone that's 30 years old or 32 or 39 or 37 or 44. Oh, it's funny how all those ages are all guys on our team. I don't know. But they always have to have that little battery pack charged in. Oh, goodness gracious, the battery pack. Now, I wanted to ask, now this is something I've been noticing a little bit with the fan base. Now, I know Grump and I think, I'm not trying to toot our horns, but we were early to the party on this one. And we have been always about the criticism that Barry does give to younger players as opposed to older players. We're starting to see other members start, or not just members of like, hey, who listen to the podcast. We're starting to see other people who write articles starting to realize this as well. And I want to ask you guys the question of, is this something that's becoming more noticeable to everybody else? Or is it just kind of like, hey, the honeymoon feeling is starting to wear off with Barry Trotz now that we're expecting, you know, Stanley Cup or bust as per Barry Trotz's word? Is it now that we're being more critical of Barry? Or is it just that now we're starting to get over the honeymoon phase and we're starting to see things for more clearly of how it is? I think that people have been listening to the Never Say Die podcast, and it's opened their eyes. They couldn't believe it before. St. Barry, Lord Barry, King Barry, he can never make a mistake. But all of a sudden, they listen to this. Like, hold on. You know what? That's what that stupid, grumpy old man has been saying for a long time now. He's been saying these things, but I didn't really believe it. But now I'm seeing it. I've been enlightened. And that's what I think is happening right now. I think people are starting to see it. I'm not going to take credit for it, but yes, I will. Uh, but people have been, been uh, are able to identify that, my gosh, he never picks on Josh Bailey, who's been absolutely atrocious this season, but he picks on Oliver Wallstrom or Noah Dobson, not to Dane O'Chara, who everyone's seen looks like a traffic cone out there. What's going on with Anders Lee? Never calls him out. Brock Nelson. I mean, he's never seen a fight that he wanted to turn down. I don't know what this guy's problem is. But I think people are starting to see it now, and it's starting to gain some traction. So you just think maybe it's the honeymoon phase wearing off. Stephen Rosner, he writes, grumpy old man there for NYI Hockey now. He does a great job. I like his articles a lot. And just seeing other members of people who write, who cover the Islanders, are starting to also realize these things. I'm interested to hear your take on this too, Coach Tommy B. Honeymoon, it's an interesting term. I don't, you know, to me, understanding New York people, uh, and as I said, they're very quick to boo. They're also, you, there's no place you ever want to, you want to win in New York because the accolades you get in New York are far different than other places. I'm, I'm serious, the way you get treated when you're a winner here. But with that comes that responsibility of when you don't do the job, you get booed. And the honeymoon, to me, in, in a sense for Barry Trotz, will wear off. It will wear off if he has a really disgusting season it'll flip on him and that's why i said to you if it comes down to a battle at the end of this year matt barzell wins the battle and trots is gone um we have a long way to go this is a marathon not a sprint uh the honeymoon is over as of right now because 
People are very concerned about what they've been watching on the ice for 13 games, bar be it a few games where they looked really good. So the honeymoon's over, but there is going to be a love fest this weekend, guys. This is something that we've been waiting for since the 90s, since Spano bought the team with a dollar, okay, and put the fishermen, those crap fishermen jerseys on, on all these players, okay? Since that time, we've been waiting for an arena forever. So that is going to be something historic and special for us out there on Saturday. I can't wait to do it and see it. And I'm, I, everybody knows that Kali lives in my heart. But it is something that we're all excited for. Hopefully they play some pretty good hockey to go along with the crumb. Hopefully they do. But this is a very special weekend one way or the other. After that, the honeymoon's over. They better start playing well. Okay. So let me ask you this. Now, kind of, it's early yet in the season. Obviously, there's a lot of movement and shaking. Around the trade deadline, where do you expect the team to be? Because I know Grump and I had talked about this. I know we had talked about this a little off-air too, Coach Tommy B. I want to get your opinion on it too. I said I really could not see us being anything but buyers at the trade deadline. I think this team is Stanley Cup or bust, as Trot said. I think we're going to be relatively close to a playoff spot, if not in a playoff spot come trade deadline. But I, I think even if we're out and we're on the outside looking in, I still think we're going to buy down and double down this year. Uh, for me, I and I threw this scenario out there last week, if we're 10 points out of a playoff spot, come close to the trade deadline, we're selling. And I'm selling everybody. Uh, there's a couple. I try to keep the youth, but every veteran is up for sale. Every single one. I don't know what you can get for them, but everyone's on the block. That's 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 what I'm doing if I'm that. And if we're 10 points out, I don't think we have any shot of the playoffs. And it's not necessarily points, but it's how many teams are ahead of you too, right? You could be six points out, but there could be five teams ahead of you. And to try to jump five teams is really, really difficult down the stretch. I want to hear your opinion too there, Coach Tommy B. It's a business. We all know it's a sport. It's a business. Buying and selling is relative to your position. That's what it is. They're not going to be in buy mode if they don't think they're making the playoffs. They don't think they're making the playoffs. They're going to sell. Okay, just like the uh, the movie Trading Places, sell, sell, sell. They will freaking sell if they are in that position. Trust me on it. And they'll prefer to get the higher draft pick and have and get some big forward or something here to help add to the lot. I think I think that they are, and the reason I think they're going to be buying is even if they're on the outside looking in, as I think they're so they're so transfixed on this idea of this team can win the cup. And even if we were in the outside looking in, they're going to say, I could squint at this and say, if we had a top four defenseman and a top six right wing, we're going to win the cup. And it's worth us taking the gamble and the risk. And I could see them taking that approach. That's why I always believe, even if they're on the outside looking in, they're still going to double down. So 10 points out of a position, you want to sell, you want to sell bad stock. I don't think we'll be 10 points. Bad stock, I should say. That's what you want to do. Hey, that's, that's, that's Mike Milliken over there, isn't it? I don't. I don't think we're going to be ten points out of the playoff picture at that at that time. I don't either. But if we are, fifteen maybe. Here's the thing: if we're on the outside looking in, I think we should sell. That being said, we should sell away our assets to the Islanders players. That being said, I I don't think this organization. I don't think that Lou Lamarillo, and I think that uh, I think that also again, if you say Malkin, right, he wants to produce a winner out there. He, I'm sure, believes in what Lou Lamarillo has done, right? He could say, I think Lou's got, you know, he's got the bargaining power with Malcolm to say, 
Look what we've done the last two seasons, right? Three years I've been here, three years at the Barry Chops. We've been to the playoffs each three of those years. We made it, you know, to round number two the first year, made it to the Eastern Conference Finals in the last two years. I believe we've got what it takes. I know we're on the outside looking in, but you got to believe in me, just like he believed in me two years ago and three years ago and last year. You got to believe in me. And I think he could sell them on that, even if they're on the outside looking in. Did I say rebuild in that area? I didn't say we're going to rebuild that. We're going to sell the pieces off that we that are worth selling off. And they're going to just try and retool. And, of course, I, the one thing I said I'm excited about, and I said this before the season started, that I'm really looking forward to seeing what the defense looks like, not this season, next season. I've said that to you on, on a few of these shows. It's it's lined up to be an unbelievable, probably be their best defense they've had in this regime next season. I'm not saying they're going to rebuild. I'm saying pieces that can be sold off are going to be sold off if they're in that position. I will say I don't think. Because he wants a club. I don't think we're ever going to hit the Devon Taves, Nick Letty, you know, when everybody was at that time period, the first year defensive-wise, I don't think we're ever going to hit the same exact defensive pairings we had on that. What I'm saying is, too, we talked about what does the lifespan look like for Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz? The years are running thin for Lou Lamarillo, and I feel like you talked about it, right? Barry Trotz only has one, after this year, he's got one year left on that contract. So I, I, I don't even like a retool, I don't think they're going to be down for it. I think they're saying, we need to win now. Okay. A um, lot to unpack there. Um, for me, one thing that people don't look at what with the defense pairings that we've had, and, you know, Tommy, you mentioned you think the defense will be better next year. The last couple of years when you lose Letty and you lose Taves, what do you lose? Speed yes. and puck moving. We're one of the slower defensive groupings in the league right now with really – Dobson can skate. And can be a puck mover, but I think he's petrified of making a mistake out there uh, just for the repercussions. Anytime he makes a mistake, I'm sure he gets ripped by Barry. But other than that, who else can move the puck? Salo can move uh, – Aho can move the puck. Maybe Salo can too. Salo can. But we're, we're a slower defense core right now. And that's why I'm a little bit concerned with the speed. That's why the guys with speed give us problems, right? So that's a concern for me going forward. And I'm just going to say again, if, if we're 10 points out, man, I'm selling. I'm selling everyone. I mean, I don't care if we don't qualify for the playoffs this year, if we have a change in direction. We're going to have to have a heart-to-heart with Barry Trotz at the end of the year. Barry, we're going – can you put in a different system, which is more entertaining for the people, so we're with, so we're lockstep with the rest of the league – where, you know, skating is at a premium, maybe not necessarily defense. Are you willing to do that with younger players? And if it's not, here's my hot take. Barry Trotz is gone at the end of the year. Gone at the end of the year. Bye-bye, Barry. Gone. Fair enough. If you don't qualify for the playoffs, bye-bye. Look, sometimes you do have to roll back a little bit and and make the few proper changes you know, to make the team go the right direction again. You don't, you know, this is just how sports are. If you, is it possible last year was a peak of this group and then they're going to drop off this year and then you make those adjustments. They don't have to rebuild this team. It's not, it's not required, but they may have to actually, you know, say break down and go Forsberg, Tarasank, whatever it is, that guy's got to be here next year. And then we're going to maybe get a little bigger on our third and fourth lines and get get a little tougher you know, and play that that route and spend, you know, spend it on a big physical forward that can that can hit and play defense. 
and right. get the score and then yeah. get the puck mover like Salo and G or Dano. And the whole defense is different. Right. Now, but my whole thing is if you have Barry Trotz and his system is going to be, we're going to continue to play the grind it out mode. I think it's going to be really difficult getting a goal scoring forward to play here. I just think it's going to be difficult because players, they want to play their game. First of all, they don't want, I mean, I realize they want to win, but, and kudos once again to Jordan Everly, totally subjugating his game while he played here. I don't think every player is willing to do that, particularly younger players. I mean, and I'm not saying that it's right or it's wrong, but I just think it's tougher to bring in, bring in a goal scorer when your primary focus is not to be a goal scorer. It's to play defense and be defensively responsible. I, well, here's the item, too, that I've been thinking. Oh, hold on, Grump. I totally have forgotten. I know we're two hours in, but I forgot. Yeah, I know. Really? How about we got Calgary? Uh, we're doing a live Calgary game on Saturday. Maybe you should have let, let off with that, right? I know, I know we're only two hours into the podcast, guys, but I forgot to remind everybody. And I said I'd give plenty of notice in advance. I know I mentioned it last podcast, but we're going to try to do a live stream during the game. I, you know, this is going to be one of the, I know there's going to be a lot of fans at the game. You know, opening night at UBS Arena. That being said, hopefully Grumpy Grumpy can only butcher the name about five or ten times during that first live stream. But if you are unfortunate enough not to be able to make it to the first ever Islanders game at UBS Arena against the Calgary Flames, you can tune in and listen to myself and the Grumpy Old Man. I'm sure Grumpy is going to be well. Grump, Josh it won't be anywhere near as bad. Josh, Josh Bailey's Bailey. not playing. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I wanted Josh Bailey to play. I was about to say, uh, well, that's good. You can kind of keep it PG rated, but you can find that. We'll go live during the game, and we'll jump on live afterwards. We'll probably get like a 30-minute break after the game, refresh a little bit, and then go on there post-game. But we're going to be covering the Islanders game live during the game, first time ever. So that's going to be be something, I guess. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Now, I tell you, it's. um, I wanted to bring this up there. I forgot my point. I'm sorry, Grumpy. No problem. Uh, you know, I, I was so I was really disappointed that Josh Bailey was out. I almost think he knew that we were doing a live stream, so he was went up and did whatever he could to get COVID, so he didn't have to be subjected to that. But I saw some highlights of Josh Bailey yesterday, and I still said "f and job Josh Bailey," and I'm just so happy that I probably will not be dropping f bombs on Saturday night because when I watch Josh Bailey play. They come out flying. They just do. Now, let me ask you, too, about this. I know we had mentioned, you know, possibly next year, what are you looking towards? And again, I, here's the thing, right? Do not mistake this as, a, hey, we're putting up the white flag. The season's over. We need to look towards next year. These are just questions that Coach Tommy B and the great minds of Coach Tommy B, the grumpy old man, and I like to discuss. Now, we talk about the cap space we're going to have, right? I, I think we're all in agreement. You don't bring back Cal Clutterbuck next year, do you? Who knows? We um, have shown a penchant in the past for re-signing guys in their 30s. That's going to be part of the conversation, right? I think it has to be. Matter of fact, I would be having this conversation at the uh, – well, I no, I guess you can't do it at the Olympic break because Barry's going to be uh, with the Olympic team. But you need to have this discussion with him. I'm, I'm, I can't impress this upon you enough. It's Barry – we're going to have to, we're going to change direction. Are you on board? We want you here. 
We absolutely do. But if you're unwilling to go with the youth movement uh, for the vast majority, move out some of your little favorites, we're just going to have to part ways. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Lou Lamarillo's responsibility is to the fans and the ownership of the team. And he ha- he's going to need to make that phone call and need to have that discussion. Um, I, I think it's too early to, to make a decision on what Cal Clutterbuck's future 13 games. And he hasn't been – he's played some pretty good games during this stretch. He was brutal yesterday. He was brutal yesterday. yesterday. He had a very bad game yesterday. Totally agree. He, he, he actually has shown more of the forechecking energy and probably has been the best player on the fourth line through the first 13 games of the season. It, it, to be fair, he has been. He's had some bad games. I've seen him have some very good games. He scored a couple of goals. I don't want to make that judgment right now on Clutterbuck on what we're going to do with him next season. It's so early into the season. Um, he may not be the problem. And of course, he, he's got to be a short – if he does come back, he's got to be a short-term cheapy deal. He can't. You can't pay him a lot of money. If, if that deal, if they bring him back, has to be short-term for like a million, million five, and it's it. I'm not so concerned about the play as of right now. I'm more talking about the approach and the philosophy because I think if we're changing philosophy style, I think Cal's got to be gone. You don't resign him. You kind of look no. for avenues. I, I just, I, you know, Cal's got a lot of hard miles on him. He does, you know, occasionally, hey, he gets, when he's able to step into a wrist or that guy for a fourth liner <laughs> could really score a goal. But I'm just, I'm wondering if, if you, if you say, hey, we weren't good enough last year, what are the pieces, you know, if this year, let's say, goes, Worst case scenario, we don't play that well. We're sellers at the deadline. Something terrible happens. You know, Pulak is out for four to six weeks, and the impact it has is monumental. And we, we just look miserable. We're in shambles. And who are we selling? That's my point. Or who are we not bringing back? You're I was in just shambles. That was one of those guys. I use, that, I use that for you, Grumpy. Who are we selling? Well, well I mean, obviously, you're going to, you, you would dump off some of these one year contract dudes. You know, I could, yeah, in that case, could I see them saying, Hey, Cal, do you want to go to a play? If, if, if the season goes south, hey, Cal, do you want us to go trade you to a playoff team that might want you on their fourth line? You know, you're going you're gonna to ask that of Andy Green, you're going to ask that of Chara, you know, those guys who are on one year deals, you're going to ask those players. Uh, and honestly, you might tell them tough anyway, I'm going to deal you just to get a six round pick. Okay. But, you know, the, the most likely candidate to be dealt of a main contract, if it goes south, is 100% Josh Bailey. He's the most likely guy to go of, of anybody that has a substantial contract. Well, and I'm wondering too, I'm wondering like with the change, because a lot of fans, right? The reason I'm entertaining this idea is not because I'm like, oh my God, you know, hell is fought, you know, hell is on earth. We're gonna lose. We're 13 games in a season that you know the entire season's gone. Fans are asking this. Fans are, are bringing these questions to front, and they're thinking about these. And I have no problem at all having these philosophical uh, philosophical thoughts about what you know what the team what the future of the team is going to look like. That being said, I'm just wondering if we are looking for a retool. How extensive is your retool? Because like, here it is. We I know we talked about it. It might be a good thing that Ryan Pulak's out. We really haven't covered the bad. Of Ryan Pulak being oh, out, either. there's a lot of bad. Of Ryan say, we, we gloss right over it because there's so many bad things going on right now. I really, I want to ask you guys about that too. What does the bad look like with Ryan Pulak out? What could you see the worst case scenario be, and then you know, what do you think the likely scenario is? Uh, worst case scenario is somehow Thomas Hickey makes it back into the lineup. Um, that said, we could give up a boatload of goals. I mean, you know, who's going to play with Chara? I mean, let's be honest. Pulak was bailing out Chara a lot, okay? 
who's going to play with Char? I know Aho played a little bit with him yesterday. I'm not actually opposed to that. At least one guy on that pairing can skate. Uh, I, but I can see it being an issue, right? I just right now it's, but it's not necessarily the defense. I keep on saying it's the forwards not playing the Barry Trotz style. And it's because we've all gotten old at the same time, which is entirely possible. Think about the age of the forward group. It would not be surprising to me if, hmm, you know what, they're all kind of half a step slow. You look at the guys I'm talking about. Nelson doesn't look anything like he had in a recent past. Pajot, Lee, COVID boy. Just, I mean, just whoever, I mean, you just think about how many guys you could pick out. They just all seem slow. When Zach Parise looks like one of your better skaters, that's more of a reflection on everybody else than him at 37 years old. Again, the retooling, it, it won't be, it's not going to be some huge major retooling, but they, they're going to try and, you know, dump a couple of players off, you know, let a few kids play down the stretch that they're going to try and mold it to players. And then next year, you know, they're going to use that cap money that they have to try and make it a better team. I told you that, you know, we're talking about some young players like Boldick and Sallow. We're talking about, you know, who knows with Rate, who's going to be coming over here to play North American hockey next year. Who knows how much he dazzles that he could actually get into this lineup, especially if there's change. They love Rate. They love him. So, you know, there's a lot of things, and the, and the money that actually we can give to Forsberg. So just I'm just naming a player, or I don't know, Johnny Goudreau, you know, somebody like that, who, who Johnny Goudreau wants to play on the East Coast, by the way. So somebody like that who they can give the money to at that time, and the difference that it makes. Look, I mean, right now I'm not even. I believe this team is going to turn it around. Personally, I do. It's not going to be easy, but I believe they will turn it around. But we also have to look at the fact that right now this division looks scary. Remember we thought this was going to be a really bad division or a mediocre division? Yep. Doesn't look that way, does it? I was, Yeah, I was about to ask that, right? You look at certain teams like Pittsburgh has struggled big time this year, and they still are above us, and the Rangers are drinking whatever Gallant is saying, and Phillies look good. It's... I think it's 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 worse. You know, the style that we've played hasn't been great. The record isn't all that hideous for a 13-game road trip. I think it looks even worse under the microscope when all the other teams in our division have been a very, very, very. They've been they've been playing very good hockey. Okay, and here, but here's the thing: when once everyone starts playing one another, you know, you're going to see that change. My concern is if we're playing these teams and getting beaten by them. Those are four-point games every night. I keep on telling you, I'm worried about the Flyers. And I mentioned to TJ off air, I'm really concerned about the Rangers now. Gerard Gallant, I've just showed you what difference a good coach can make. And he's always been good with young players. He's the perfect coach for that team. I don't think they're defensively good enough to take a big run, but I could see them making the playoffs. And that's a problem for us. If the Rangers can make the playoffs, that's one less spot available for us. Yeah, I tell you, it's. I think I think that's the reason why too. Everything looks you know a little worse under the microscope. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, Coach Tommy B, though, with Ryan Pulak being out, what's worst case scenario you can see us going forward for the four to six weeks? Because I know he was he was teamed up with Zdeno Chara, but you know whoever they're going to pair with Chara next is it Dobson? Who the heck knows who we're going to pair with them? 
maybe they've got maybe it's going to look even worse product out there on the ice. What is the worst case scenario now since Ryan Pulak is going to be out for four to six? We talked about best case. Also, want to talk about worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is simple because it's on Salo. All right, there is nobody else right now. Um, Salo's the one guy who has the skill set and the ability to come in here and be an effective defenseman. And by the way, possibly jumpstart our power play, ironically. Okay. And he can actually be that guy. And if he can hold down the fort until Pulak gets back and he plays well, then we've got a major bonus. But if Salo can't do the job, if he comes in here and he, and he does, you know what, to the bed. Okay. If that happens, he shits the bed. We're in deep, deep trouble. Because there is nobody else right now that we're going to call up Thomas Hickey, like he said. That does not work. All right. And Boldick is not ready. So this is a key. So it can either be a, a blessing, you know, a blessing that Salah comes in plays really well. Now we found that top four defenseman. Or it can be a total disaster and the team can fold in the next month and get destroyed and the season's over. You know, one thing that people keep forgetting, you know, if Salo comes in, he's not a replacement for Ryan Pulak. Pulak is a right-handed shot defenseman. And I always find it interesting, actually pisses me off, that when Barry Trotz has veterans and he does this, when he does bow and play a young guy, the young guys seemingly always have to play on their offside. Where I'm like, why is it that a veteran – Johnny Boychuk, for example, is not able to play the other side, and you make Noah Dobson play on his offside. I, it, to me, it made absolutely no sense. Wouldn't you want the younger player to feel more comfortable when he's learning the trade? I tell you right now, I would move Dobson with Pellick right now. Yes, Dobson yes. Pellick. Let Sallow play with Mayfield, and then mix yes. match that other pairing. Yes, hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. I, I will say this too. Andy Green, just speaking recently, Andy Green did play his offside uh, when Sebastian Ajo was in the lineup there. So Andy Green was a guy playing on his offside, just to, to give that context. Because he has in the past, you're certainly right, Grumpy, let the younger, guy, younger guys play on was, their offside. Was that in yesterday's game? Yes. Okay, Pulak went out though. So they were kind of mixing and matching pairings. But before that, that was not the case. They had, they had Sallow playing in Dobson's spot. And, you know, the whole thing is, uh, Tommy, I love the defense pairings you're mentioning, but then you have Green and Char together. Dude. That cannot happen. I understand, but you're going to have to lessen their minutes. And sometimes, and I, I got no problem at that point, if you want to play Ajo and, and every other game, Green and Char, and just yes. let Ajo. Yes. I'm sorry, I want to win hockey games right now. And uh, I, I, Green and Char is scary. I got That is a scary pairing. See, my, my whole thing is, you know, you mentioned, you know, Salo can do this, Salo can do that. There's just one stumbling block to all of that. Barry Trotz does not like to play younger players. And I just, I have a really hard time thinking that he's going to give the keys to the power play to a guy who is his first year in North American hockey. I just, for some reason, I just don't see him doing that. He just, a, like I said, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Uh, and I just, I just don't think that's something that he will, uh, that he'll do. I hope he does, but I don't see. It. That's why I said the most important thing for me, and that's why I really didn't answer the question of what type of rebuild we're looking at, because to me the most important thing is, is a coach on board for the changes that have to be made. Yeah, that's to me that's 
that's the overarching thing. Everything else falls in place. The first thing is, is the coach on board? Do we have to look for a new coach? Because if we have to look for a new coach, we could do anything at that point in time. But if it's Barry Trotz, are you willing to make the adjustments? And that kind of that kind of hinders what you're going to do one way or another with the rebuild. Soft, hard, total, not at all. Um, I mean, I, I I understand what you're saying. I know, and it's only preseason. Uh, I'm gonna. This is the funniest part of it. The two players who ran the effective power plays we did have in preseason were Salo and Gustafson. No, I'm just being honest. And True. so, if you're bringing them here and you're gonna let them play, if that's what's gonna happen, then please put them on the power play. What can it get any worse? No. Well, it could get worse. We could get beaten ten nothing every game. And here's the thing: we're not going to play good teams every night. Calgary's good. Toronto's good. Rangers are good. So maybe, maybe we'll give up thirty goals in the next couple of games. I don't know. But then we have Pittsburgh. They make everybody's offense. Tristan Jari is a nightmare back in net. He's terrible. Oh, he's terrible. Uh, I do believe we're going to have a ton of energy on Saturday night. I do think I, that is a factor. I think we win Saturday. I, I honestly, I, I can't imagine if we lose Saturday. Oh my gosh, the wheels are coming off. I, I do agree. I think we're winning Saturday. I think that we're going to see more energy out of the team. I will be interested to see, right? We talk about one of those early trends that we're going to start monitoring. I, I'll, I'll say this again. The Islanders, the last year at the Coliseum last season, were 21-3-4 at home. At, it's unbelievable 21 three and four so that means out of the that means out of the what grumpy old man and, and Tommy B, out of the 28 games you had you won 21 of the 28 and you came away with points of 25 of the 28 games you played at home last season if Don't we're expect able to- that. do not expect that this year do not expect that this year this team is nowhere near and here's the thing we're not playing this we're not playing Buffalo for four games, the Devils for four games, games the Rangers games. for four games. games. We're not that's that, that's not what's happening anymore. We're gonna have to play good teams. You see what happens when we play good teams out of our division? We get killed, not beaten, annihilated. Hey uh gents, I actually have to uh I have to actually call it a wrap myself. Um okay. Yeah, I told you why. Yeah, yeah, yeah ab- absolutely. And, and thanks again to Tommy B for for coming on. Um, we appreciate. It. When is the next Coach Tommy's? When is the next Coach Baffy's corner? Well, for, first of all, I'm going to do a special documentary uh, from UBS this Saturday. I think it's appropriate. Um, I'm going to do it live from wherever we are, and that wherever we're in setting up with the drive for five, I'm going to do something for for the fans, for the group, and I want to take us through a journey to how we got there. And then the excitement of people. And I'm going to have some of the people there interview and all that stuff and uh, try and give as best a shot I can of the new arena. And I probably will go live inside the arena, too, for everybody. Um, and that's, you know, what my plan is. And I'm going to probably do a regular show. I'll probably do a regular show probably Tuesday night next week. Um, I know you guys do your Wednesday and Saturdays. I always leave those to you, gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited to do this. I, win or lose, this is a very special moment on Saturday for these for, for myself and for all the fans. No matter what group you're a part of or what show you do, we are all eye on the fans. We might disagree sometimes. We might, uh, you know, have different opinions, have different ideas about how this team could win and get better. Um, but in the end, we are all eye on the fans. And uh, Saturday is going to be, you know, 
30, maybe 25, 30 years in the making for us to get this home. So there's a few things I recommend or I, I'm going to require of you, Coach Tommy B. I'm going to require to know how long the waits are for the bathrooms and how expensive everything is. I've been seeing the prices or what I think the estimated prices are for concessions and drinks. And I maybe it's because I haven't gone to a sporting event live in a long time due to yeah, COVID. I saw the prices and I was like eye-popping. I was like, holy crap, 20 bucks. So I want to know how the prices look. Are they reasonable or are they astronomically high? I right have right now before, Iowa? before I go here, I'm just gonna let you know right now the prices um don't seem to be that bad. Though the parking is obviously much more. The inside of the arena, the prices don't seem to be that much different than the Coliseum in general. Though I have to see some of the new places to eat because that might be a little bit different because they're gonna be a little probably a little more, you know, not not a hot dog and a beer type thing. We actually get better food, so it's gonna be more expensive, obviously, if it's better food. That's what happens with all the places. I went from the old Yankee Stadium to the new Yankee Stadium. The same thing happened. So that's what I expect. But, you know, the beer prices, things like the normal things, all seem to be pretty similar. There it is. We already got it there. Grump, I'm sorry. You you were making a point, too, about concession stand prices. I haven't been to a game in a long time. That's what I'm saying. Do they? I don't think they have professional games in Iowa, do they? No. They do not have games out here in the central of the country. That's for certain. Not where I am, at least. Um, but but thanks again so much, Coach Tommy B, for coming on. Hopefully next time we have you on, it's going to be with a much more cheery outlook, and the Islanders have turned things around, and uh, you know we've started to see what the young guys can do, and they've they've proven uh, all of you know the worry, the worry warts, and, and people who have apprehension about how we've played the first 13 games, they iron everything out. Hopefully next time we meet Coach Tommy B, it's on much happier terms. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you both as usual uh, for having me on. It is it is a pleasure. It's an honor. Um, I love doing this with both of you, and I look forward to coming back again. Keep doing the great job you, you two are doing. And uh, as I said, grow up. Well, even though we disagree a lot, all my respect. And uh, let's just win a hockey game Saturday. That's what I gotta say. We will. I think we win Saturday. So do what? I think we lose Sunday and we lose to the Rangers, but we win Saturday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Coach Tommy B. And again, thanks for coming on. We'd love to have you on. We'll have you on again soon again, hopefully with better, better, better time period. So, but thank you again, Coach Tommy B. Um, grumpy old man. Um, I'll tell you. So you think a win definitely this next Saturday. What do you feel like we're going to see result-wise here over the next few games? Because I think the next few games and how we come out of a bad four games played to end the road trip, I think that could it could be an important time period. I think it's, it's could be, it could be detrimental, but I don't think it's going to say, Hey, if we play good hockey, it's going to lock us into, you know, a great rest of the season. I do think it could be though detrimental if we come out and we don't play great. That, well, the first step has to be to play better regardless of wins or losses. Right. But I, I mean, that's, that's what I'm looking for Saturday. Are we playing better as a unit? Because if we don't play better as a unit, it doesn't matter. We're not going to win a whole lot of games. So that's step one. Are you are we playing better as a unit? Right now, I don't. Uh, right now, I don't know how much can be corrected in three days. Honestly, um, Calgary's a good team. They can skate and they're aggressive on the forecheck. I'm just saying. I see so many teams that are so aggressive offensively speed moving the puck those things are death for us and i just a dinosaur in the league right now that's a question we really need to ask i just wonder if it's as easy as hey 
we go ahead and have the last change and we get some of the enthusiasm from our home crowd and it completely is able to, to help re-energize some of these some of these veterans, right? Because you've heard Trotz. It's not like this is a mystery. Trotz has come out there and say on multiple different occasions that we need, you know, the players we've got, we need better forms of them out there. So I've always just kind of wondered, Grump, are we going to see that? Are we going to see that, you know, coming forward with a home ice advantage? Okay, last line change isn't going to change how we've played this season. I, I I just think people are deluding themselves, just thinking showing up at the new arena and having the final line change is going to uh, somehow be the magical elixir, the you know the magic bullet. It's just it's just not the case. We're just right now we're a dumpster fire the way we're playing and against good teams. I mean, good teams, we have almost no chance of beating them. I mean, I know we beat Winnipeg um, and I know we beat Vegas, but the West is really not that good. So how good are those teams? But then you're talking about Chicago, Arizona, and Montreal. Other than that, we've been waylaid a lot of games. They haven't even been close. It's I mean, it definitely is cause for concern. There's no doubt about it, Grump. Well, let me let me ask you this too, Grump, because I know it was this today's podcast. I enjoyed it, Grump. I wasn't sure because there was so much Islanders news to talk about. I wasn't sure if we we're going to be able to fix or fit it all into one podcast, Grump. But I know we were able. I think we did a pretty good job there of fitting a lot of it in there, Grump. What else do you have to say, Islanders news wise or Islanders thoughts wise? Do you have? I don't know. I'm just excited to see how we come out and play. Uh, that game, uh, that the game Saturday night. I think that's a harbinger. If we come out and lay another egg, I, I could see the wheels coming off. I mean, like I said, Calgary's a good team, right? Uh, Toronto's re- playing extremely well. Normally, I say Toronto has no shot against us because of the defensive style we play. Can you really say that now? I don't think so. And the Rangers, I mean, I know it was preseason. They throttled us in preseason. And they've only gotten better, honestly, not worse. And we've, I'm not going to say we've gone backwards from that, but we certainly haven't improved since then. And they killed us. I know we talked about earlier, right? Best case scenario, he's starting to play some of the younger guys. We get to see them in action. Ryan Pulak, though, is a huge loss. He, he he's a huge loss, and I know his maybe his his impact on the ice is diminished a little bit when he had to be paired with Big Z's at Anochara. But he he is a huge loss, grumpy old man. So I'm going to be interested to see how we're able to bounce back and how the defensive system and structure wor- looks in that side. Another thing we haven't talked about as well, Sorokin. I mean, he got yanked last game. It would it would. I would I would tend to believe that now that means for UBS home opener, we're going to see Varlamov in that. We're going to see Varlamov, even though he's not the better goalie, right? And Sorokin was left high to dry. I still think we see Varlamov in that. I think now we're going to see possibly the reverting back to, hey, I want to trust the tried and true veteran of uh, Simone Varlamov. No, I think Sorokin starts Saturday night. He was not at fault for any of those goals yesterday. Uh, we were just terrible in front of him, like we were against Florida the first time. Just terrible. Uh, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you again. We don't match up with teams like Florida and Carolina. Just don't match up with them. We're never beating those teams. If we have to play those teams in the playoffs, we're going home. I'm just telling you right. And that's if we, even if we make the playoffs. I mean, we keep losing. Everybody else keeps winning. That's a problem for us. You say points don't matter. Well, you know what? Come Thanksgiving, which is next week, look at the standings and tell me where we're at. 
I was about to say, usually around game about, like I start looking kind of, okay, where's the place around game 15, game 20? I don't, I don't, I don't fixate on it this early in the season, but once we kind of start getting into things, I, I am looking at it. And thank you, Matthew S for reminding me about that. Um, Andy, Andy Francis's clip. I thought he did a great job breaking down the power play. Um, so another item I've been thinking about as well is how are we going to jumpstart the first line? Because right. Matt Barzal seems to be the only thing that works on that first line. And I, I couldn't imagine even though Zach Parise had that great outlet pass on the wide open breakaway for Matt Barzal, right? It seems like it's all the Matt Barzal show in the first line. How are we going to change that? It's not even the first line. It's Matt Barzell. I mean, no one else has done any, like I said, you throw out the one, the Brock Nelson game where he caught lightning in a bottle. Um, he's been terrible this year. Bavillier showed some hustle. Parise showed some hustle. Uh, Palmieri showed some hustle. That's it. Pajot has been terrible, and that affects how Wallstrom plays. I mean, I, the fourth line has been a nightmare. It, it just is what it is at this point in time. You have only one guy who you can really say, that's what you got to stop. And if you know we go down a goal, it almost feels like we're down by two. Fair enough, Grump. Fair. But I would, I mean, I thought Kiefer Bellows looked okay yesterday. I thought it actually looked okay the night before too. He throws the body. He's able to make, he's able to shoot the puck. I mean, he's not afraid to shoot the puck or drive the net. That's something very few Islanders have the ability to do. Those are guys we have to give chances to if you want the team to get better. Fair enough, Grump. Fair enough. So we think that I, I'll be interested to see, right? Because we're going to be going live next Saturday. Here's this Saturday, not next Saturday. This Saturday. Uh, here's the thing. I feel like if we lose the home opener, Ooh. You, you talk about the sky falling. I think, you know, if we went, I ha we had people grumpy old man. I, I, you know, I, I kind of don't fill you in too much on what goes on social media being like, hey, did you hear Barry Trotz's comments? There, there were so many different things jam-packed into about two or three days of action, of Islanders action. We could have spread that out over multiple different segments to talk about. But I know people are asking about, hey, could you believe what he was saying about, you know, Oliver Wallstrom forgetting about the smaller details and how, you know, he's he's been given the wrong deal on this side. It, it, that stuff still shocks me. It, oh. it still shocks me. It shouldn't because he always does it, but it still shocks me that a guy who is one of your best pure goal scorers is going to be a guy who sits because you're unhappy about what he's doing on a defensive side of the puck, even though you see Cal Clutterbuck loafing, and even on the national broadcast, they pull that out and they, and they bring it up, and it directly leads to a goal for the Florida Panthers, and we're going to go ahead and ridicule Oliver Wallstrom's lack of defensive play when our team only has, what is it, 29 goals all season long, 29 goals in 13 games. Oliver Wallstrom is a goal scorer. That's what he does. He's there to score goals. That is his skill set. Instead of nurturing it, Barry wants to take it away from him. He wants him to be a grinder, just like he's said that he's done to Matt Barzell. Maybe that's why Matt Barzell's numbers are down this year also, because he's so worried about playing defense that he's not doing what he does best, which is create offense. That's what the ham and eggers are for. Not your top skill guys. It's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. You mentioned that too. I was thinking about this with any, is there, are there any fans out there? I want to take a quick poll from people who are listening still. Are there any fans that would have ever thought 13 games into the regular season that Matt Barzal would only have four assists 
He's got four goals, which are, I mean, like, hey, that's kind of where I expected him to be. Only four assists. It just shows you how real the struggles are that Josh Bailey, his right winger for, you know, what has been so far this season, the majority of the season before he got COVID, and Anders Lee have had so far. It's not like Matt Barzal has been the one struggling. He's been producing goals. He's been scoring from a guy who usually is a playmaker, but but Anders Lee seems to be struggling a little bit too. Anders Lee is a garbage man. That's what he is. And I mean that in a good sense, right? He picks up the garbage that's at the front of the net. Bailey was such a not a fit for that first line. It made no sense why he put him up there. Just none. Should have put Wallstrom up there and sent Bailey down to the third line. Because what is what happens when Wallstrom gets a puck? He's unconscious. He just shoots it. And what does that do? That gives you uh, that gives uh, Anders Lee chances to deflect pucks, to get rebounds. Uh, all that stuff. But, you know, when you have Josh Bailey, it's like he's never going to shoot the puck. And you expect the offense to be better. Like I said, that was just a blunder by Trotz. It made no sense. And you break up the one line that seemed like it was working because uh, Palmieri kind of mixed in with, uh, you know, Barzell well. But Palmieri's not a first-line guy either. Stop deluding yourself to think he's a first-line player. We have one first-line player on the whole team. One. That's it. Everybody else is some level of two, three, or four. That's, I mean, that's it. Oh, man. CJ Scoots over there saying, trying to see if we're, we're going to be tanking if I should get my Shane Wright jersey. Now, you, I want to make sure. I know you said your, your fear level is about a four. You don't foresee us. Now, here you go. Do you see it like as a lock for us to make the playoffs? I know it's early in the season. No, no it's not a lock for us to make the playoffs. It's I predicted a second. But I was thinking something else. But I, I said second. I, I because I didn't want to come off as being too negative, honestly, even though that's my rep. Um, but I was thinking for certain that it was going to be a struggle for us to make the playoffs. I didn't expect the Rangers to be this good this early. And that's and that's one of those things that I've thought about. Right, it's early on in the season. The Rangers seem to have bought in. The Flyers have played pretty good hockey and and it just seems like okay you also look at the atlantic division right okay the florida panthers the maple leafs and the tampa bay lightning seem to be surefire locks to make you know the playoffs the boston the boston bruins have played will make the playoffs i was about to say they've kind of played up and down hockey but you know you forget too they don't have when Tuka Rask is back healthy. He's training at Boston's facility. He's rehabbing at Boston's facility. I know they have Linus Olmark and they have Jeremy Swayman, but I just have that feeling they would sign Tuka Rask when healthy, and you'll see him back in action. I don't see Boston not making the playoffs. And you look at that, right? The Florida Panthers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Boston Bruins. Those are four teams. There's one of your wild card spots. So we've got to be essentially top four in our division. And, yeah. you know, if, if you told us, right, we talked about we were the favorites to win the division going into the season. Not and, not according to me. According to the pundits, they don't know shit. I told you who was going to win this division. It was a real easy choice for me. Really easy. Hmm. I thought Pittsburgh would be better than they were, though. I thought Pittsburgh would be better than, they, than they've been this year. I'll tell you, it's, it's definitely something – it's something it's something that's got me wondering, hey, are they gonna have an upswing? Or, you know, are they just going through a struggle like we are here at the beginning of the season, but are they gonna pick things up towards the end? So it's it's one of those things I'm looking forward or I'm looking to, grumpy old man, because they've been, I mean, they had a pretty hot start. 
and you know you what do they start off like three and oh the season and they've been kind of miserable since since crosby's come back as odd as that sounds well but he's crosby's back out again so. oh he's back out. okay gotcha. yeah yeah i mean his thing they don't have a goalie you need a goalie in this league fair enough grump fair enough grump man I want to ask you, I know we had a lot of comments, and I apologize if we were unable to get to all of the comments. Um, we didn't have a chance. He to doesn't care, TJ doesn't care about the comments of the fans. He had one of his buddies on today. Oh, now here's the thing, right? Well, we've got that on. We want to make sure, and some of you might notice as well, we're not reading every single comment, but we're popping them all up. We want to make sure all of them are seen, and I did not like, and again, fans let me know too, I don't like whenever we lose comments. I'm not a big fan of that. I want to make sure we get to see all the comments, so I try to make sure, hey, we're still popping them up, and I try to make sure that even if I'm able to read them all, we're still able to view them all. That's for certain, Grump. See, I try, you know, Grump, I try to make sure that we get, you know, a healthy mix of all the grump. Yeah. Okay. But I know the ones that were positive uh, for the grumpy old man, they were big bang up, up and down. You don't even have a chance to read it. Evelyn Wood could not have read the comments that were complimentary of the grumpy old man today or my pals at Isles Misery rated R. Those things were up there so quick. Nobody could have read that. Oh, man. Oh, man. Nobody could have read it. Come on. Come on. Now, let me ask you this, too. I know you don't think Robin Sallow is going to be, you know, Bobby or second point. Oh, what realistically are you expecting from Robin Sallow that he'll, ha he'll he's going to get a chance? You feel like he's going to get I feel like he's going to get a chance. It all depends on what Barry does, right? Is Barry going to play a true rookie up for big minutes? When was the last time you seen that happen? I'm I'm not sure, Grump. I'm not sure, Grumpy. I know. Here's the thing. I kind of don't like popping up the comments because you read every single one of them. I don't. <laughs> oh, Grumpy old man. I tell you, but it's I, I'm not I'm not I'm not too too worried as of right now. I you know I'm worried with the style and the way we've played, but uh, not we're not jumping off a support beam. You know, not jumping off a cliff yet. Um, Still a long time left to go in a season. I'll be interested to see how we look these next three games. And I think you're right, Grump. If we lose, you know, even two of the next three games at home, and if we're struggling and it looks like, hey, Pulak really was keeping Zidane Chara afloat, that is when I think you're going to start to see a lot of people jumping on that, hey, we're extremely worried about this season, could, could slip right through our fingers. Like I said, the key, regardless of result on Saturday, is are we playing – Barry Trot style hockey. That's number one. If we don't come out and play that style hockey, uh, this season's going to be over before it starts. Absolutely grumpy old man. Absolutely grumpy old man. Well, man, I know we're, we're right about at three hours. I want to know what else you're going to say, Grump. You seem quiet now. You see, you had a lot to say when Coach Tommy B was on. It was a bombastic start. But, I, Grump, I want to know what else you want to say here today, buddy. I just want to say love and laughter to everyone who listens, even those who don't, from TJ and the grumpy old man. And thank you, everybody, who tuned in and listened to the podcast. Again, we're going to be going live during the Islanders game this Saturday. It'll be your first time for us, Grump. I know you think it's not going to be as crazy as it usually will be. It won't be. Really? You don't think Brock Nelson or Anders Lee or you know the Matt Martin's going to do something to piss you off? They're so invisible, I don't even notice them most of the time. Bailey does something stupid that pisses me off. Those guys, I don't even notice them out there. They're so invisible. They've done so little this year that it's hard for me to even, oh, Bailey was out. Uh, Lee was out on a shift. 
But what did he do? Nothing. I'll be interested to see how how that live stream goes, though, Grump. I am. It's going to be. We'll do it because we won't be able to have it to where we can actually show the game. But uh, we'll have it to where it like show the stats on there because I think they'll they'll take it down because <laughs> of copyright. But we'll have it to where it's like showing what's going on. And uh, I'm sure you might be a little ahead of me, grumpy old man. But yeah, I'm, like, I'm actually going to be watching the game as it's on. I'm going to be watching the game too. Okay. Oh yeah, no, no, no. We're we're going to watch the game together. Oh, we just like doing play by play, but with a little bit of edge to it. I don't know if we're going to do so much play-by-play, Grumpy, but uh, I just want you to be as natural as you can. I, I, hey, Grump, I know sometimes I say you got to rein things in. I don't want you to rein it in for that one. It's not going to be in a podcast format. So if you listen to the podcast and you say, hey, I like listening on Apple or Spotify or Google Plus afterwards and you don't like watching the live stream, um, I recommend you at least check out the live stream on that one for a little bit, see if it's your cup of tea, because this is going to be the first time we do it. It might be great. It might be a disaster, but uh, it, it should be fun nonetheless, Grump. Well, I hope so. We're going to find out come Saturday. Okay, man. Well, thanks, Grump. I want to thank you, Grumpy old man, for being part of the podcast, and I want to thank everybody who tuned into the podcast. Again, you guys are the lifeblood of this of this podcast, and we thank you so much for tuning in every single week. Um, we'll see you Saturday at six p.m. or at whatever or, or seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I don't know what time the game starts. I think seven. Okay, we'll see you then at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yep, we're facing off against the Calgary Flames, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, update on the merchandise. We're in the works. We're getting everything loaded up. We're actually creating the designs on the items that we're going to be you know, releasing out there. So that looks to be in the home stretch, ladies and gentlemen. The merchandise looks to be in the home stretch, Grumpy. You hear that? I hear it. Let's see it. There it is, Grump. Oh, what? What's this? I'm giving you a golf clap. Oh. oh, man. Well, thank you so much, Grumpy Old Man, for being a part of the podcast, and thank you, everybody, who tuned in. You can catch us tomorrow at TJ and the Grumpy Old Man in the link in the description below. Um, and we, we do thank everybody for tuning in. We'll see you guys 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. And if you tune in to TJ and the Grumpy Old Man, we'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you again, Grumpy, and thank you for everybody listening.